1: may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Radelidge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. (laughs)
2: ballyhoo Hollywood Where any office boy or young
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a rad religion broadcasting premiere podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And here, here, there, fuck. There's your, there's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! Well, Mark was struggling
3: on that one, ladies and gentlemen, because we have a packed house for this review. And the, mo- the video boxes got moved around on him and he could not actually point at me anymore. And he was, you could when see I, the light die
1: behind his eyes. When I was a kid, we went, did a field trip where um, we got to see like how a, how a TV station worked and we got to do like the weather guy thing. And um, they, le- they let me stand up there. I could not figure out left, right, up, down. Like it, it took me so long to figure out what was happening. They were like, please just sit down. You're a moron. <laughs> and uh, I'm almost 50. Nothing has changed.
4: Three cheers to the American education system! Hip hip! Hooray!
3: I was about to, I was about to say something very unpleasant there about the about the education system at the end of that hip hip, but <laughs> I'm trying to watch my language these days, so
1: there will be none of that. This episode.
2: Well, okay. the, it's like that just takes all the fun out of the review, man.
1: Wait, you don't curse normally until I've pushed you to the point of no return. So, like, what, uh, so, I, like, how I, much I, more are you trying to watch your language? I am trying to
3: push that particular point of no return further and further away.
1: Oh, good for you. That's how this works. Yeah,
5: you still do shows with Mark.
1: I've (laughs) done shows with many people, Jason. Please introduce the rest of the panel before 11 o'clock tonight, thanks.
3: Uh, All right, before 11 o'clock on your coast. I'm deliberately screwing this up. All
1: right,
3: tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the menu. Uh, Because we were looking for material and this one kind of struck a lot of our interests and we got a bunch of people here to talk about it first up you've heard him briefly here he was the last one to join this particular call I imagine he will be the
5: Nicholas Holt of this particular ensemble cast Jason Teasley how you doing doing well doing well ready to enjoy 90% of this podcast like I did the movie
3: and if we get that ratio we'll be we'll all be doing pretty good. Also, back with us from Honeysuckle Rose Creations, we have Alexis Haina because she doesn't miss horror movies as a general rule, and, well, Ray Fines.
2: Whoever yeah, said yeah. I was. I, 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 yeah, Ray Fines is an amazing actor, but I've never openly said, oh, hell yes, Ray Fines.
4: I assume. I think he's <laughs> casting you as Ray Fines. If, <laughs> if,
3: uh... No, no. Um, tempting it. No, she. No, Alexa's gonna be the one who survives. Like she'd wind up being the Anya Taylor Joy thing. Like you know what? I'm gonna find some weird little way to to get out of this, and <laughs> I will survive. I was gonna
2: say we all know that Mark is freaking Ray Fiennes. Mark's He's gonna or- kill us all.
3: Mark's not organized enough to be Ray Fiennes. Yeah.
1: That is the worst thing you have ever said to me. I am really insulted. I know. He would have put on it is. on his
5: schedule. It would have Jesus to be scheduled. fucking
1: Christ. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Introduce Dorian so that I can interrupt you and show you what an insult that is. I've seen your schedule, Mark. You do see me on
3: it. Jesus Christ. And back with us for the first time since our discussion I have of Candyman. What do you mean I'm not organized? You do not run a tight ship.
2: For God's sake.
1: Back with
3: us you for the first time since our cast, discussion not... of Candyman. Would you let me finish? No. How did you turn into the petulant one in this relationship all of a sudden?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we go back and forth. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's true. So joining us for the first time since our roundtable discussion of Candyman, we have uh, Dorian Price back with us. Dorian, welcome Hello. to the insanity. Good to be back.
1: Is it? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we, uh, just a point of order. We were going we, Back when um, I was the one making the schedule and people weren't trying to take my power from me, Uh, we were going to do she said because i thought we didn't get to do bombshell last year and i thought oh here's another opportunity to do a movie like that it'll be you know an oscar contender it'll be about the uh you know the woke movement me too and all of that more me too than woke but um you know it it was about the rewind wine thing thing. i thought i thought okay this would be you know once we decided to just do go weekly and just do whatever the movie of the week was um i thought okay this will be something for me and robert to really bite into and then they, they announced the menu was opening the same weekend, and at that point, everyone was like, nope, we're doing this instead, and like, shoved me into a locker. Like, oh, well, I, I can't go against the will of the council. So that's literally why we're doing this. But So the menu, for those that don't know, and they're just kind of tuning in because some, because one of us is a friend of yours and you wanted to see us on, on the TV, the menu is a 22, 2022 American Black comedy horror film directed by Mark Millard, written by Seth Rice, and will Tracy, and produced by Adam McKay of Don't Look Up fame. Bessie Koch and uh, Will Ferrell of Elf fame. The film features an ensemble cast includes Ralph Fiennes, Anna Taylor, Joy, all 10 pounds of her, Nicholas Holt, um, Hong Chow, Janet McTeer, Reed Burney, Judith Light, from those of you who might remember who's the boss, and John Leguizamo. The menu had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 10th and was released in the United States this past weekend uh, by Fox Searchlight, now owned by Disney, your lord and the, your overlord. The film received largely positive reviews from critics who praised its screenplay and cast performances. So, all right, let's uh, – since we do have a large panel here. Robert, give us the five minutes to less skinny on this uh, black horror comedy meditation on the disillusionment of the restaurant industry.
3: It's not the restaurant industry. I'll get to that. I'll save that for the craft. It's a bad setup. Um, for the record, I laughed harder at this than anything I have this year, save maybe Minions. This was, this was nice. right up my alley. Love this, <laughs> as far as the comedy.
1: I'm glad so, it made you happy.
3: It really did for about five minutes. It was, it was nice. Uh, so we primarily follow Anya Taylor-Joy's character, who has been invited to be the date for Nicholas Holt, which is just never a good thing, to dine at an exclusive restaurant on a private island called Hawthorne. The rest of our ensemble cast are mostly other guests. Uh, they all kind of meet each other.
1: <laughs> Let's keep going. They
3: Let's meet each other going. on the boat and uh they take the trip over, they get a tour of the island, they are escorted into the restaurant where we introduce to our primary antagonist, uh the character played by Ray Fines, who is a the appropriate caricature of every high-end chef you will ever meet. They're all pretty much like this.
4: So batshit insane.
3: Oh yeah. And He begins serving his rather eccentric course of meals to them for the evening. And as this goes on, things get more and more sinister until one of the sous chefs, burdened by his own inadequacy, and boy did I feel this, commits suicide. Oh, Robert. (laughs) Keep going. uh, Save it. Hey, no one else is interrupting me. You did it this time. (laughs) I I said keep going, but yikes, dude. Uh. This is all revealed to be an elaborate piece of essentially performance and food art by the chef who has lost his passion for everything that he's done. He is driven only by his obsession at this point. He sees the people that he has invited to this particular event as the manifestations of all things wrong with everything in his life and all the choices he's ever made, from his mother to the fanboy and everything in between. And slowly, several of them are murdered. There's an escape attempt. There's a lot of very good-looking food. And the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, the John McLean in Nakatomi Tower is Anya Taylor-Joy, who was a last-minute replacement for Nicholas Holt's original date. And... and So hers is kind of, again, the perspective we follow. She's able to survive all of this insanity at the end by breaking into the chef, to Ray Fiennes' house, and finding a picture of him smiling, and then requesting of him... A humble cheeseburger, which takes him back to the moments in his life when cooking brought joy to him and to the people around him. And he decides to allow her to leave. Everyone else is summarily then dressed as s'mores and immolated <laughs> as the place explodes. And Anya Taylor Joy enjoys a cheeseburger from a boat while waiting to be rescued by the Coast Guard. And And the least believable thing about this movie is Anya Taylor Joy eating a cheeseburger, because that woman's diet in no way
1: allows for anything (laughs) approximating that. All right, Dorian, you and I were talking before the show started. We were actually we were comparing it to other kind of high-end, high-think piece uh, horror movies from earlier this year. We were comparing it to X. We were comparing it to Pearl, last year's Candyman, um, and then just as a, as a side conversation, um, we were comparing it to Pig, just on just on the level of dealing with the disillusionment of the restaurant industry. So we'll go over to you first. Uh, what spoke to you about this movie?
4: Um, as a horror writer uh, myself, um, I always love it when horror movies start to become more intellectual. Um, I, I've used this, um, this metaphor for years, but I think it fits best here. Um, all genres of movies are like food. You know, sometimes you want, you know, real high-end filet mignon and asparagus. That's movies like *Rosemary's Baby*, *The Shining*, *The Exorcist*. You know, really great films that are classics. Sometimes you want steak and a baked potato. That's like, you know, *Nightmare on Elm Street* and *Halloween*. I know I'm just going for horror movies, but since this is a horror movie, I figured I'd focus. Uh, and then sometimes you want like macaroni and cheese and pizza, and that's like the *Leprechaun* movies. Um, no offense to the *Leprechaun* fans out there, uh, <clears throat> but this this film i liked for its its intellectual level the fact that even just the concept of it alone in the trailer was unsettling and not in the, in, in any like you know you're creeped out and kind of leaning away but you're like laughing but even at the trailer going is this a comedy like the horror mu- music is in the background but it seems like i should be laughing but i'm not and that's um that's what i found very unsettling uh, about it personally um also For also for me personally, uh, my biological father was involved in the um, food industry for years, Uh, long before I was born, and then uh, after he retired from the fire department. And every time, and I'm not going to do it just to blow anyone's headphones out, but every time Ray Fiennes would clap and everyone would be like, Yes, chef. It's like I've seen that happen in real life. And even in a situation where there, you know, nobody was dying and it was just, you know, my father running his kitchen, there was still something unsettling about it. So that immediately spoke to me. but the cast itself, um, Anna Taylor Joy is is proving herself, in my opinion, to be one of the greatest scream queens of of my generation. Um, she's everything she's been in so far. I've loved. Um, I want to see Ray Fiennes, you know, in more more horror movies. There's more, you know, horror villains. I think he does really well. I mean, I, I want to see him as original horror villains. I don't want him being like Mister Potter. You opened the box. <laughs> we came. You know. But, I mean, Nicholas Holt's always good. He's always he's always a lot of fun. He always brings, uh, brings the best uh, to his role. The movie as a whole, just the situation itself, really grabbed me as a small... It almost felt like a short film that got expanded, but it got expanded perfectly, whereas a lot of sh- short horror films that are really good do not get expanded that well. And... As simple as the concept was for this movie, um, there was intricacies to it, you know, again, with him being like, "I'm, I'm done, you know, and this is this is the best way I can do my performance art. This is the only way I feel alive, like him cooking and then killing all these people is almost like his drug, like people that have, you know, that only have one drink a year. And this is his one drink. And, you know, to me, that just that that just really grabbed me overall. And that's my my short five minute. Thing in the movies before it gets to be 11 o'clock.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Jason.
4: Uh, in this movie,
5: it was really psychological uh, for me, and it peeled back a lot of layers that you don't see in a lot of modern horror movies, I think, uh, because you see the depth of the character being flushed out. Uh, and when you see it start spiraling down, you really are invested. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a movie me and you done, Mark. Is uh, fresh. Um, it has that horror element, but it has that underlying comedy element to it as well. That you don't know how how serious to take it. Right. But you, it, it's like it's like a car crash. You don't want You can't look away, and you just want to take everything in. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I landed on this movie because it was such a fresh ideal that a lot of people can gravitate to. And, you know, this is basically Gordon Ramsay that went psycho. Uh, <laughs> in, in my opinion, I mean, um, that's who I think this was kind of, uh, Ray Fiennes kind of tailored a lot of his, uh, mannerisms and stuff from,
1: can I tell you, I kept waiting for him to do the idiot sandwich thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
5: and I think that that's it because uh, you see the you see the professional side that is so intense, but then you see the humanistic side on the backside of it that wants to come through when he's when um, he's talking to her and he gives her the decision. You actually see the human side and you hear his explanation of why he's doing what he's doing, and it kind of gets you even more invested. So. I landed on this movie as a it was a it was a good fresh movie that took a concept and ran with it and made it enjoyable but there are some things that i have have issues with so
1: All right i'll we'll go run, ahead and
5: pass it back over to you
1: yeah we'll run back to you on some of the issues so we're kind of just doing first impressions here um real quick i uh i wanted to just uh parrot, <clears throat> um, deal with something that Dorian said that I also appreciate horror when it has a perspective, when it's not just gore for gore's sake, it gets kind of boring. You know, um, you you and I were talking before the show started tonight. This had that slow burn, Hitchcockian feel. Uh, This is taking you on a journey. I think my problem with the movie was also, though, the pacing because it you know, we're slowly getting there. We're slowly getting there. And then things start to happen. And then you're then typically a structure like this you're in for the roller coaster now we've all we gone all the way up to the top and then boom now the, you know now the the train is loose around the track and you're going at high speed and the tension is building and more and more stuff is happening that's typically how these things are structured they stopped a lot to just kind of deal with things um and the the film never goes necessarily in that direction I think in some cases, it kind of reminded me, like it reminded me of the Black Phone, in that sense where the um, the tempo of the movie had kind of a start-stop feel to it. Um, in some cases, I thought it worked, in others, it just made me long for another pass through editing. I'm not entirely sure this thing needed to be 106 minutes long, uh, but I think where it, I think I think the strongest points to it, Dorian, were. The conversations between and, and and I'm going to say this out loud and I can already feel like the average audience member struggling with this because I'm listening to Ralph Fiennes talk about cooking and I'm listening to him talk to Anna Taylor Joy and her responding to him. And as an aside, Nicholas Holt was my favorite character in this entire movie. And I'm going to go over to swing over to you in, in just a second, Alexis. But one of the things I liked about Nicholas Holt is boy, have uh. I been there. Like, here, here's this thing that I appreciate. Here are the finer points of this thing that I'm really excited about and really appreciate. And I want you to appreciate it, too. And she, and then you look over and they're not. They're just not getting it. Just vapid and vacuous and flat. And you're just like, ugh, like dealing with a child. It's like, you can't talk to me that way. No, I absolutely can. You are the worst. <laughs> I'm with you, Nicholas. I'm with you. <clears throat> but um, just to kind of finish up and pass it over to Alexis. The the film, for me, shines in the talky parts, which I think is going to be a struggle for your general audience member who thought there would be more kills and that there would be more of a ramp up in this. Uh, what do you think, Alexis?
2: Okay, first of all, Mark, repeat after me. Ray finds not Ham Ralph.
1: Ham sandwich, I got it. Don't ever correct me.
2: <laughs> okay. Yes, me- chef. don't encourage him dorian hey how do you think i get asked back
1: (laughs) this guy knows what's up
2: (laughs) uh for me i i openly said on the network chat i said i think this is my favorite movie of 2022 and i stand by it i'm a foodie
1: hey one one sec have you seen x have you seen pearl and have you what was the other one we said dorian pig pig well that was last year have you seen x and have you seen pearl yet not yet Okay, go ahead.
2: All right, no, I'm a foodie. I'm a professional artist. I'm a pseudo film critic. I'm a horror movie nut. It was like, I felt like this movie was tailor made for me. And I loved it. I loved every part of it. And a Taylor I... Joy
4: made. Joke was right there. Had to do it. <laughs> you said tailor made and a Taylor Joy made. Hang
1: on, let me help him. Let me help him out. <laughs>
4: i'll take that thanks boss
2: <laughs> i really enjoyed this film it's i think that it's been a while since we've seen good black comedy satire in films really satire is don't not look up. Re-
1: hmm? really don't look up so one in the last year it yeah. was last year it was almost a year ago fresh That's- fresh was good Yeah, I was gonna say I
2: didn't think of Fresh really as a satire though. Black comedy, yes. Satire, I didn't really see it as a satire. And I loved Fresh. I really in fact, Jason, going back to what you were saying about comparing it to Fresh, tell me I'm not the only one from the trailer who thought that he was gonna be killing and cooking the guests or something. I actually thought for a second. Yeah,
1: there's a close up shot of the food I thought for sure was some was a person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this movie really does keep you guessing, though, with that. It is very smartly written. And I think, again, that is something I don't think we see with a lot of satire with black comedy in films. I think it's very hard to write smartly for that kind of a thing nowadays. And a lot of filmmakers tend to go a little too balls-to-the-wall intense and lose focus on what they're really satirizing. It just becomes just too much for them. I think this was really well done. There was a lot of elements of the film that I appreciated. I think my favorite moment was actually when she's looking at the pictures of him, of of, uh, the chef, Mm -hmm. and she sees how unhappy he is, and she focuses on the one of him smiling when he was a, a a line chef at a fast food restaurant. The movie doesn't outwardly say, she doesn't go, he looks happy, or he's smiling. And then at the end, she doesn't bring that up again when she orders the cheeseburger. It relies on the audience to put two and two together to think like Margot is thinking. And I like that. Again, I think that's very clever writing. And yeah, so much of the food looked really delicious. I genuinely want a cookbook. And I want them to include Tyler's bullshit lamb chops in that cookbook. (laughs) Because watching that scene made my toes curl more than them getting stabbed in the thigh with the scissors more than the finger getting cut off i was like oh my god just that killed me
1: real quick so robert do you remember um i think it's um original sin the marvel comic this is the one where i think the watcher whispers in thor's ear and for years people didn't know what he whispered and then it turns out later he was like you're not worth nobody's worthy or some shit like that uh that wasn't
3: the watcher that was um that was just uh, fury.
1: Okay. What either, either way, whatever yeah. it was, it was he drops the hammer. He tells him Gore was
3: right. It's yeah, kind of way. the long and the short of that.
1: So, that bit where uh, Ham Sandwich is whispering in um, Nicholas Holt's ear, I yeah, totally yeah. had that moment of <laughs> <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody is worthy. And him just like, you're right. And just goes hang, and he fucking hangs himself.
3: Y- you do know that, like, Rick. Ray- the first time they shot that, Ray Fiennes just told him the dirtiest joke possible, and Nicholas couldn't keep it together. He's like, like,
1: he's like he just whips and He's like, your mom is so fat,
3: something <laughs> like that. Yeah, just just to crack him because that's right. Cause Ray Fines will do stuff like that. But yeah, there,
2: like again, the there's a lot of details. <laughs> oh, no, there's a lot of little details and touches that I think were quite brilliant. I think my favorite one I noticed one of the first thing the first thing said in the movie is uh, Tyler criticizing Margot because she's smoking, looking at you, Dorian, <laughs> uh, because he says it ruins your palate, and anyone you know knows that's right. The smoking will diminish your sense of smell and your sense of taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the scene where they, they The men attempt to escape And the women are sitting there eating And the, uh, they're just talking The food critic Is smoking a cigarette while she's eating
0: Mm-mm.
3: And
2: that caught me And I was like no food critic No true food and restaurant critic would smoke For that exact reason And they talk about how she had led to Various restaurants being closed I thought maybe they're right Maybe it was an unfair closing Maybe she did get bad reviews because she's a smoker all right. You know, again, really, really, again, they, d- and they don't bring attention to it. They don't say, like, well, you're smoking. You could have just, like, no, they allow the audience to figure it out. And I really like that.
1: Robert, what were some of your first impressions? And then we're going to double back with some of the issues the film has.
3: All right. Um, Nicholas Holt should only be allowed to do comedy from now on. <laughs> I did not know he had that kind of timing.
2: You've never seen The Great, have you? Nope. It's really good.
3: But uh, get him away from anything serious. He struggles. <laughs> and get him away from action. He can't really do it. <laughs> Let the man be funny. He's naturally very funny. Um, oh, yeah, there was that. Uh, this could just be positive. Normally I get to back clean up. I get to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of things that... Again, I, I love the dark humor in this. I really do. Like when they're trying to like convince one of the staffs to help them escape. And your response is no, everyone dying was kind of my pitch for this entire thing, and I'm actually quite proud of it. <laughs> like uh and that got a laugh. Uh the There's two things in this that um I agree with you, Mark, when you say like kind of the, the acting and the interplay between characters is what carries this that's where the movie excels it doesn't lean too hard into the zany and maybe it could have a little bit more it doesn't lean hard into the gore like there's not a lot of blood here um all things considered and there could have been there's a a lot of restraint whether that's purely artistic or budgetary who knows but there's a couple of things in this movie that kind of speak to me on a spiritual level and whether that says anything good about me or not i suppose i can leave up to you Again, the, the sous chef who just can't stand his own mediocrity, I feel that. like That really hurts. Um, if you aspire to be great, there's nothing worse than not being great. That's that that's the kind of thing that eats at you for your entire existence. Uh, to another example of that in film and whatnot, the heavily dramatized version of Mozart's life, the Amadeus, will suffice for another example of that. But when Ray Fiennes is talking about, <laughs> you know, I, I have devoted my entire life to this endeavor, to the pursuit of perfection that you can never actually obtain, and all I can see is the shambles that every decision in, in this pursuit is made of my life and the industry to which I have dedicated it. I struggle still and used to a lot more with perfectionism. The can, I, I, can I, I quick wasn't. jump
1: in on that? you know, we've been doing this podcast since like, two. you know, I've been doing it since 2006 and you and I have been working together since 2011, 2012. And I look at, I won't name names, but I look at some people who, they really don't elevate the art of the conversation at all. They're just kind of kicking the same ball around. Um, or I'm on the, the show, Mark. I am on the show. I'm
5: <laughs> not talking about
1: you, sir. You don't have your own podcast. Um, But I listen to, I, I listen to some other people's shows and it's just, you know, chumming the water or it's, It's very base level, just observational conversation. They're not elevating it in any way. And then here I am really trying to, you know, to have that kind of film study and conversation. And the hard work that we put into this is not rewarded, not by comparison to our peers. And so when you so when you were talking about that, I was reflecting back on the film and how that was making me feel. It's it's like once I sort of separated myself from the film itself and thinking about parallels, like it really is hard to create art, want to believe in what you're creating, turn around and look at the world that says, this isn't what we want, make robots explode. And you're like, ugh, I okay, I gotta pay bills too, I suppose, but it's hard and it it eats at your soul. I I just wanted to throw that in there with what you were saying.
3: It, It does and it's worse when you achieve a degree of success. Um. Like, uh, very briefly, I suppose I can delve into this. I don't write a whole lot anymore. I used to write a lot more. Um, I just, I got stuck trying to make it right. And it's never right. It's never done. It's never enough. I, there's always better word choice. There's always better structure. There's always better whatever, whatever, whatever. And I... It's to the point now where I struggle to start writing half the time because I look at the blank page and all I can see is the perfect image in my head and the knowledge that no matter what I do, I'm going to screw it up, putting it down. It's never going to be right. And it's crippling. It's absolutely crippling. So when you have this guy going, yeah, I've done all this, I've achieved all this, and I'm stuck with... I'm stuck beholden to a investor who thinks he's smarter than he is and who is, you know, able to lord over me all these things. So I've got these financial partners that I don't care for. And the, (laughs) uh, I've got my regular customers who don't care one iota for what I do just by being here pretty frequently. Like when he says, can you name one thing you've eaten here? Right. Just one. Mm Mm-hmm. They can't do it.
2: They, nice. Yeah, it's like and they and they they attempt and they even guess the wrong fish.
3: Right. Yep. Just <laughs> twisting the knife in there a little bit, or yeah, you know, when there's someone who professes to admire what you do but is just a sycophant and an annoying sycophant. <laughs> uh, again, like I don't write creatively a whole lot, but I do uh, what could loosely be academically described as reporting. And there's always some jackass in the comment section who thinks they could do it better. You know what, buddy? You are welcome. You are welcome to try and do what I do. Because I tell people all the time, what I do is not difficult. But it's really hard to do right. Any idiot can do it. But it's hard to be, it's hard to do right. I mean, come on, Mark. You used to do what I do. I do. It's it's not easy to do well.
1: Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And there's inevitably somebody there going, but I don't like your running gags. Like, I'm trying to sit through eight hours of squash wrestling matches. I'm trying to keep myself <laughs> entertained so you can read this and right. bitch at me about it.
1: <laughs> or God forbid you don't tackle the exact same movie or television show that every single uh, podcast is talking about. <clears throat> God forbid you talk about anything new. And you talk about it in a way that maybe an adult can appreciate. And not just... I saw the thing, and the thing that I liked that was cool. And
3: can I can also say this this spoke to my soul a little bit, too. When John Leguizamo, God bless him, <laughs> says, Why am I here, sir? You've explained everyone else. And I kind of get it. What did I do? And he goes, You were in this terrible movie that wasted my one day off in eight months. And now your visage haunts me.
2: <laughs>
1: That too, too, too <laughs> close to your heart, huh, Rob? <laughs> Just a bit.
2: <laughs> okay, Just tell me, b- I'm not the only one who laughed hard though when he said when he told the assistant why she was like, "Where'd you go to school? Brown student loans? No? Yeah, you die. I'm sorry, you die. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great
3: comedy here, and again, there's stuff that, depending on how you've lived your life, if you've lived, if you've ever done like service industry or uh, retail, which is loosely adjacent, because I've I've done retail. That sucks, and I I have felt the sting of that a
5: lot. I've got a question. With your, you know, sunshine demeanor that you bestow upon all of us, how was retail for you? If you
3: ever want to know some of why I am the way I am, none of you knew me before I worked at Kmart.
2: Oh, God, you worked at Kmart? <laughs>
1: Are you like the old man, in like the fucking Looney Tunes cartoon where it's like running off the boat? You know, I was a man once. And like, <laughs> and like
3: running out of bit. Walmart
1: or Kmart. Or I,
3: I worked at Kmart for about eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, I got there before Easter, a couple of weeks before Easter, and I left before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay, at least you were that. saved
2: having to work Black Friday. I worked at a Walmart in college. And they had me scheduled for Black Friday, and I quit just in
1: time. Hey, I want to address some of the issues the film has, so... Yes, Um, let me me do some of my issues real fast, and I'll
3: kick that back to you. Let me be negative first for a change. (laughs) I lead with negative... When I say be negative first, I mean I'd be the first person to be negative on the panel, not necessarily that I don't (laughs) always lead with negativity. You mentioned the pacing. I do agree. It's a little bit of an issue. Um... The ending I go back and forth on, because I'm me, like, I wanted the full bleak ending. I really did. But I didn't As quite in get you didn't it. Want
1: Anna, Anna, you didn't want anyone to make it? Yep. Okay.
3: Or, like, if you want to be really sadistic, like, she makes it to the boat, and then it turns out the cheeseburger's poisoned. Like, something like that.
1: Or the boat blows up or some shit.
3: You know, the guy survives the zombie apocalypse only to be shot by the people wrapping up. Like, right. Again, like so, I prefer the. I, I lean to the bleakness a little bit on occasion.
4: Or like a Stockholm syndrome thing with her and uh, Ray Fiennes, where it's like he's just like slowly but surely feeding her, and that's like his new obsession. And she's like, you know, in the basement, and like you know, bloated, and you know, that's how he's <laughs> yeah. like reclaimed his, you know, his or blood. something like
2: Midsummer, where she's effectively brainwashed and decides that she wants to stay and burn with them. In a no, way.
4: I would have went full
5: mist. Yeah. Where where she had to watch everybody die for no reason, but just the joy of her watching everybody die and have to deal with it.
1: We're going to come back to this because there's there's some stuff there. Go ahead, Robert.
5: Uh,
3: I joked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm not joking when I say that Anya Taylor Joy eating a cheeseburger took me out of this movie.
1: That really seems picking you, by the way.
3: I don't know why, but it did. Like, I'm looking Good. at this. I'm looking at this woman, very talented actress, and can I, I can know, I criticize you for, for that? Hang that, on, that, let me. That let almost, let's that get almost the line marks.
1: between body shape. That almost keeps hey, the line on. of body shape.
3: Well, l- let me yeah. finish my point about. I
1: have this. to raise an issue that that's substantial. Okay. Okay, okay go. I,
3: I understand your point. My point is not that like she's again. Like my point is not that she's not an attractive woman. My point is, how you present yourself and what you do on film has to be a reflection of that to some degree or another. And when I see someone who looks like who looks like you know, Letitia Wright, <laughs> you, you look go like down you, that road. you make a broom look anor- you make a broom look overweight. And I see you eat a cheeseburger. I'm just I'm very taken out of this moment because I know. I know you didn't do that. <laughs> uh, there's no way that woman's diet allows for cheeseburger consumption. I'm not
1: like I'm not even saying like a like, her cheat day can't even be a cheeseburger. And except that you're now transposing the actress into the movie where there was a character who just escaped yes. near death. And, and I'm fun. aware of I'm aware of that. And this,
3: this is my other gripe with Anna with. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy here, and this this is going to seem really weird, but bear with me while I make my point. She cannot do generic. Her character here is... Again, her character here is supposed to be kind of an everywoman.
2: Right? She's a prostitute. She's an escort, yeah. Yeah. I know, but like, but she's supposed to be the eyes for the audience, yes. is what you're saying. You're
3: supposed to be the the very generic human you're being. Saying the, the,
1: she's, you're saying she's she's too unique of a of a person, personage, body type for the audience to project themselves on, is that your point?
3: More that the way this character is written. Like she she works fine as an a pseudo point of view character in The Queen's Gambit. But uh here, like, I'm supposed to believe you're a slightly other side of the tracks, again, call girl, who grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, nice pull, but your accent is nowhere near close for the record. <laughs> there, there's a disconnect between what Anya Taylor-Joy is on screen and what the film is trying to tell me she is. Okay. Some
2: okay. people, uh, Robert, yeah. then humor me. Uh, give me the uh, name of a couple of an actress or two that you would have cast in the lead instead. Ah, uh, she's perfect. Like this is, this is more an issue of the blonde broad
1: from community.
5: Emma, Emma Watson, I think was tied to it originally.
2: Yeah, that was uh, Emma Stone. One. It was Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah, it
5: was Emma Stone. I know it was one of the Emmas that.
3: Well, Emma, Emma Stone can do every person like, like she can do the every person character, Anya Taylor Joy is a tremendous actress, but she's not an every person role kind of actor. And and look, that's not an insult. Some actors are big, some actors express a certain vibe and some don't. And you can you can do with that what you will, but that's just kind of reality.
4: So, Robert, just real quick, because I, I want to make sure I'm understanding you. Okay. So when my turn comes, I you know I'm, we're not, you know, crashing the same thing. If the movie had included a scene, even though we're still trying to hide the escort thing of like maybe Nicholas Holt, we hear him like on an answering machine and we see her all like plain, like in a T-shirt, you know, getting ready. And like we had a scene of her like getting her hair up and getting into the dress. Would that have allowed you as an audience member to feel more of a connection from the every woman to now this, you know, gorgeous, you know, Anna Taylor Joy hair all up? Ball, you know, what lovely evening gown look. Is is that one of the things that's bugging you? It might have helped. Um, for me,
3: this is a little bit like... This is a very broader issue that I have with Hollywood films in general at the moment. Average people aren't on
4: screen. There is not some very, truth not, to that. Not very usually. I, mean, I think we're moving towards an era where that's going to happen more. What's one would way? hope. I mean, like, you can't try and was the one that annoyed me?
3: There was, there was a couple Take on... A,
5: there's a handful. Ha,
3: there's several instances of this lately that have... They've really kind of stuck in my craw.
2: I know where, what you're talking about, though. Uh, when they did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jack Davenport was supposed to play Arthur Dent. And they actually came in and said, no, Arthur Dent's the everyman. Davenport's way too good-looking. Yeah. And they cast Martin Freeman instead.
3: Yeah, Martin Freeman, a great everyman. He's a mm-hmm. regular-looking person. But th- there was something I saw recently where a very attractive man, a male character, I think it was one of the Chris's, but don't hold me to that. And we are told repeatedly throughout the movie that he is average. And I wanted to throw something. Like, there's there's a wild disconnect between what is actually average and what is presented as average. That wasn't Snowpiercer, was it? Might have been. Um, and God bless him for trying to make... Chris Evans, look like an a, someone who's lived in the slums when he's in the midst of his Captain America physique.
2: <laughs> That's well, why it, he had to wear that stupidly thick sweater and knives out.
3: But they were trying to hide it there, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so when it, when it comes to... There's just certain types of roles that different actors are going to gravitate towards and kind of excel in, and I don't think Anya Taylor-Joy does the every man kind of role very well. She can do... It's going to sound really weird, but she can do like grounded down to earth. But there's got to be something of, that I do not believe that she is in any way, again, the every person. And I mean, even if you take this into some very kind of generic uh, other horror elements, like she's great in the witch because and
4: literally just about to bring that up. Well, done. yeah, yeah
2: but she was entire, great in um the Northman. She's great again. She's a very good actress. I, I but
3: the Northman is very quasi-mystical. It, there's a very ephemeral quality to it, and her role in that is designed to accentuate that. Her that role in the w- word use. Thank you. Her role in the witch is very similar. Like she's meant to feel just a little bit like otherworldly. Like she doesn't quite fit with the everyone else who is very very hard scrabble, very very
4: yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah, you know, wind burnt skin. You know, and she's got this like flawless, like um. Rift tracks makes fun of it when they uh, they did Pirates of the Caribbean. <clears throat> you know, um, when uh, Elizabeth Swann's being uh, on the boat to the the, the pirate cave of Morta, one of the rift trackers goes. She's wearing her. Oh no, I've been kidnapped! Makeup.
3: Yeah, you know, and <laughs> that's that's same, very
4: fair. Same issue,
3: and, and it's a real minor gripe as far as this movie goes, but uh. I, I don't think she does the everyman character very well. And that's, that's fine. She's a, again, she's an extremely talented actress and it, it's just one of those things. Like you know, Tom Cruise can't be six, four. Know, he's a movie star through and through, but there's realities to what you can, like, he failed as Jack Reacher because Jack Reacher has to be a big, intimidating presence. Tom Cruise might be 10 foot tall on the movie screen, but if you try to have him fight off five other guys at the same time, it falls apart because we can see Tom Cruise.
2: I still remember the first time I saw a trailer for that movie. And I just like, is this just like a parody of Tom Cruise style roles? Cause it really could have been. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't know who Jack Reacher was. So I just thought like, it, it literally came across like just a parody role. Yeah. Uh-
3: and again that's not that Tom Cruise can't be an action star he's a great action star. He's not a ninja. And you that's fine. You could just have to make allowances for that in both the casting and the writing. Anya Taylor-Joy is a tremendous actress. She sells her fear here very well. She sells her intelligence very well. She's not a damsel in distress. She's very th- she thinks. You can see her thinking. She plays off of everyone well. That's all great. I just struck when her story then winds up being I'm you know, kind of a hard scrabble call girl with a heart with a heart of gold from Brockton Massachusetts. i that falls apart. If you actually sell her as the straight up always high priced escort, this works so much better. But again, and again, that's a very minor complaint about the general writing and casting. There, um, you mentioned Emma Stone can be the every woman character. I don't know how she would have. Anya Taylor-Joy's presence lends a kind of quasi-dreamlike status to this entire film that it relies on, actually, as it builds its tension. Like, you need to be a little bit not sure what's real and what's not. And she does help with that. Whereas, uh, So, again, like there's things that this helps with, but if I've got a major gripe, I think it's elements of the backstory and the writing of that character with that actress that just doesn't line up for me.
1: Hey, um, I want to address something that Jason had a major problem with because its a, I think it's a fairly big conversation point point. I'm going to get Dorian's mm-hmm. opinion on it because I disagree with Jason but I'm curious to see what the rest of you think Jason like 50 words or less your issue with the cheeseburger
5: it just takes me out of the entire movie uh, you build all this tension up to basically reduce him down to a fry cook at um, a DQ grill and chill and um, and he's got this menacing presence, and it just – it doesn't work with me. I mean, it takes me completely out of – to say that what would have worked good is once she asked her a cheeseburger, she took one bite and goes, eh, I don't like it, and just catch him off guard that way or say she's full because she kept saying that she, were, she was still hungry and then just take the one bite. Just be insulting back to him. Okay. But the, the whole cheeseburger thing – Is just, it was, you build up, she sees this, she sees sees the humanistic side, but that's like basically when Batman and Superman say Martha, and it. it, (laughs) I mean, that is the equivalent that that I got from it, because it's like, you see all this menacing, and the only thing she says is she wants a cheeseburger, and boom, his whole demeanor changes, all his body language changed, he's not that intimidating presence again, and you just basically neuter him.
1: Okay, so a couple of things. One, she wasn't there. Initially, she's just going to get killed because everyone's going to get killed and, she, and Ray Fiennes didn't feel the need to separate her from the pack. Everyone's going. This is all a part of the art project. This is a part of the performance. N- nobody's special here. Everyone goes. That, <coughs> that nay, moment. Nay. When...
5: Because she was that, not supposed to be there. That
1: that's moment what when
5: she, fucked everything up.
1: That moment when she challenges him, that's when things change, right? And I, I want to, real quick, Alexis, you know what that whole scene reminded me of? Ratatouille, where the food critic eats the uh, eat the Ratatouille, and he's suddenly like, I'm home again. Transported
2: back to his childhood, yeah.
1: Right. There's a sense of loss that Ray finds is dealing with. He is mourning the death of love. Love of his career, love of his profession, love of his art. And all of these people have contributed to the murder of said thing and this is his way of this is essentially a revenge tale this is his way of getting revenge on all of those people or sort of excising this demon from him of which he really didn't play a role and she gives him this hang on she gives him this moment that's why i brought up ratatouille she gives him this moment of joy the joy of doing the thing you love for someone else and it brings them joy it doesn't work I, I can see you're like chomping at the bit, but listen, it doesn't work if she cu- cuts him down. The whole point of that scene is to have that moment for him of uh, almost like redemption. Like, wait, there, there's a reason to go on. There's you know, the, there's an outstretched hand that I can grab onto here. Ultimately, he kind you know, and, and his way of dealing with it is, I'm too far gone. But say, but I'm willing to let you save yourself now. You kind of save a little bit of my soul for myself. You can go now. Hang on I before you him. jump in here. Dorian, you hear what I'm t- trying to say?
4: I'm sorry. Say again. You kind of broke <laughs> up on my end.
1: I wanted you to weigh in on what I was talking about. That's no, fine. Uh, I yeah, wanted you to weigh I, in on the cheeseburger thing. What I was saying, what Jason's saying.
4: Absolutely. Sorry about that. You just kind of broke up for a second. No. Um,
2: yes. No, fine. We,
4: again, I, I, um, the reason I liked that moment is, and I'm, quoting a line from uh, Bruce Almighty on um, it's when Morgan Freeman as God says some of the happiest people in the world go home at night stinking to high heaven. And when I <laughs> saw that scene, it made me think of that line simply because it was like Ralph Fine's character was this almost Phantom of the Opera conflicted character in that moment, simply because it was like when she asked for that, he remembered how simple life had been. But I almost got this kind of um, subtext to his character that ambition had, and, um, as Robert was talking about, you know, that, that drive for perfectionism had turned him into a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, using the Phantom thing, you know, the Phantom was a beautiful musician, a great architect, you know, engineer, blah, 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 you know. And because of his, you know, his imperfection, you know, and his inability to deal with that and how the world treated him, he became a monster. In the same way, I feel like the chef is the same way. When she asked for that, again, it, it is the Ratatouille thing where you're being transported back to it was a simpler time. You know,
1: there are two different scenes I want to draw attention to. Pig um, from last year with Nicolas Cage, where you have this hoity chef who has sold out and he's running this really fancy restaurant. And Nicolas Cage reminds him, "Didn't you want to do like a gastropub?" And he's yeah. like, and he's like having a meltdown over it, like. You know he he got called out for selling his soul. The other one is the other one is Chef, where you have that constant argument between um, Rain Man. Uh, Help me, Alexis. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman, and John Favreau. Where Dustin Hoffman's like, please just play the hits, please be Journey, just play Separate Ways, and stop doing and, and stop trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're trying to sell plates, not create art and John Favreau's like you are killing me in my crib you're just strangling me to death and that's all that scene was and that's why it works but you're struggling with this Jason's and I don't want to take your time from you so go ahead yeah
5: now if if the scene earlier where he gives her the out wasn't there I could understand it but she he never gave her an out. out.
1: He, he said either. Yes, he does. Either, no, join he, us he, he,
5: or joining them. She's still, still gonna die. Either die. Way. Everyone's, Everyone's
1: gonna die. Everyone's gonna die out there. It was either sit with the takers or sit with the givers. But everyone dies here. Um,
2: yeah, she he said she was like, you, so I can die with you or I can die with them. That that was her exact. Yeah, he wasn't gonna yeah. let her live.
5: It's still, but if you reworked that scene, it, it it adds a little bit to me. And like I said, I'm sorry that I have my own opinion. But it takes You're me out of an opinion,
1: Jason. That we're, that's uh,
5: Sometimes it doesn't, uh, oh but God. it it um it takes me out because you know she wasn't supposed to be there. He gives her basically gives her an out, and because she betrays him and finds out this information, because obviously now she's a ninja, and you know when she goes to the house and you know she has these wonderful knife skills and fighting skills as you know the street do, um, that it just takes me out. That that entire thing, I mean I could I could get with her finding his humanity, but for her just to be like, oh just make me a cheeseburger, it's like okay. And you take the menace from, from everything. Like I said, I'm I was in the the hopes of this being more like the the missed ending. Like Robert said, I, I love a bleak ending to where like, you know, the cheeseburger was poisoned or like she goes she goes to leave and you know like, you know, you see earlier on the coast guard is in on it and they just pick her up and she's like saying thank you, thank you and then they just shoot her and it goes black because there's no witnesses. No, I'm just saying that would be that would have aligned more with the build up for me than just her saying, I want a cheeseburger and then her just going out on a boat and watching the fire as she wipes her mouth with yeah. a piece of with the menu and enjoys the rest of her cheeseburger. I thought wiping because, her
1: mouth with the menu was symbolic.
5: But in in, in retrospect it was like kind the rat of rat at the
3: end of the party that symbolizes obviousness.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you, Ralph. The but if if she uh, dies it gives a little bit more meaning because she he still uh, uh, accomplishes his goal because everybody there was supposed to die. Just saying you want a cheeseburger should not save your life. If that was the case, you know, we a wimpy would still be living on in our minds and hearts of forever.
1: I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Alexis, um, if you want to weigh in on anything else Jason said, feel free. But I also want to hear if you had any issues with the film.
2: I think the one thing that does sell the scene for me is Ray Fine's reaction. He is poised. He is still stoic. He is not breaking down crying, but he's got tears in his eyes. And we actually can see just glimmers of happiness. This is a he gives a very subtle turn. When she says she wants a cheeseburger with fries. Mm -hmm. And if he had acted any other way, I would have agreed with Jason. But the way he carries it, just you could just see that little flicker of hope go off in his head. I thought really is what made that moment work.
3: If you've ever been driven, and I'm not a very... I am... I have deliberately shut off my drive in life for a lot of reasons for, uh, that are very complicated. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those moments that's really hard to... And Ray, Ray Fiennes' acting tells you everything you need to know about the scene, but it's, it's difficult to articulate this. If you've ever been so driven by something that you used to love, but you wind up trapped in a spiral around it, being reminded of what it used to be for you is incredibly powerful. It's one of the reasons if you ever want to make a man cry.
1: Hang on one second, I'll just throw this out there. You know, I've been making a lot of jokes lately about like, hey, remember we used to have fun on here? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a, for a while, this, this started to become a bit of a job, and I wasn't having as much fun with it. I just felt like you know I was clocking into work. You and um over the past you know year or two, there's the occasional podcast where um. It, I the joy of just hanging out and talking with my friends about something I'm passionate about comes back. Sometimes, you know, I'm we're just doing a show and it's fine and I'm happy to be here. And I'm happy to be talking to him who I'm talking to. You. And then those are right, those rare moments, those very rare moments that you're talking about, where like, I remember why I do this now. Like, you know, if famously you, me and Jesse talking about ref and who will <laughs> Wait, die on
3: <young>. Which we're <laughs> gonna do again, I imagine, in the near you future. You goddamn
1: right we are. Um, but like, you know, three hours of us just like holding our heads, you know, but- why, why did we do this? <laughs> why did you do this to us? Reffin, <laughs> but it, but it was so much fun. And like, I, I, you know, because I'm doing various things with, with, uh, with podcasts and feeds and whatnot, I go back and I listen to a lot of our old stuff and I can hear like the happiness in my voice and like, I, like legitimately <laughs> having fun. And I hear some of the, some, some other stuff. And I'm just like, "Yep, I was just clocking in for work that day. You know, and so I think on that level, this film resonated with me a lot, but I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, just in that same vein,
3: I can't necessarily take you because, again, the cheeseburger is not going to work for everyone because you may not be obsessed with food and what it used to mean to you. But for the vast majority of us, and this, this is for some reason, this is more true of men, I've found. Because we... Again, speaking as broadly as humanly possible here, so please don't get offended. How about broads? Why would you do that, Mark?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> do it. I know you're going to do it. Do it.
1: Uh, no, I got distracted by something Jason put in the comments. Just keep okay. going.
3: <laughs> There's... Because men tend to have again have drive and think about their lives and what we want to where we want to go what we want to be and again more so than women broadly speaking if you want to make a grown man cry you have to get him to be serious about this question mind you because you can joke about it but if you get him to be serious you ask him you know what would you say to your what would you say to the eight-year-old version of you if i could put you next to
1: eight-year-old you I got I almost got you, didn't I? <laughs> no, I'm I'm really I don't know. Hang on. This past year I have made a lot of snarky comments about marriage and relationships, and I'm really trying to pull the plane out of the tailspin I've been in. So but it was just like what would you say to your eight-year-old self? I know what I would say to myself a year ago, but I don't want to make that joke. Please continue. No, no,
3: no. I and I get that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: But it because that's that's the default response. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I used to say, you know, if I could meet myself as a teenager, I'd beat the shit out of myself. <laughs> I would just tell myself to calm the fuck down. But again, when you think about that, but when you get past that first initial, like, okay, here's my joke, here's my default response, you know, if you could have a conversation with you eight to ten, like, what do you say to yourself? How does that go?
1: <laughs> Don't ignore your chorus final. Okay, I'm but... Here. Your father will never let you hear the end of it. It's best in
5: Jurgens.
2: <laughs> I do get what you're saying, Rob. I mean, for Dorian and me, we both work in the creative field, and I know that there are times when we both just want to ram our heads through a wall because we're dealing with a client, customer, or whatever, who has asked for something blatantly stupid and doesn't appreciate how much hard work we put into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> I've done enough work with him as his gaffer. I know that expression. And there is something about just getting to Go back to what we love doing, why we loved our fields in the first place and getting to create something that is purely ours and purely inspiring and reminds us, oh, yeah, this is what we love about our jobs.
1: Hey, um, we never uh, we kind of got away from it because you were dealing with the cheeseburger thing. But really quickly, Alexis, like 10 words or less, anything you had a problem, any problems you had with the film?
2: Honestly, I can't really like I said, I really can't think of anything. This is a film that I greatly enjoyed i loved everything about it this is a movie i called on my friends i'm like you need to see this and it's so funny because i called actually a handful of them and were like oh i don't like horror movies and i'm like i don't care you need to see this
1: yeah this is one of those horror movies that if you know two or three years ago robert were like you can handle this one rattle it's fine um this is like barely horror so Dorian, back clean up for me. Anything craft wise that you want to point at that say, hey, this this doesn't really work structurally?
4: Um, yeah, I got, I got, I've ma- been making some notes here. Really quickly, I want to uh, speak to Jason, and I'm going to be do very quick about this. Uh, you were talking about, you know, you know, you're allowed to have your own opinion, and you know, sometimes it's not going to agree. As he's, a
1: he's butthurt that I didn't agree with him. No, no, I
4: I mean, I mean, and that's fair. <laughs> but I want to just personally say to you and any of the audience members that are are watching here, as a filmmaker myself, I love reviews like Jason's. Gave, even if he doesn't like the film. Because what that does to me is, even if I don't agree with him personally, it allows me to go back to the film that I created and I worked really hard on. And I know I didn't obviously direct or write the menu or even work on it, but it allows me to go back and look at it from somebody else's point of view and then be able to go into the next film and go, you know what? I remember this guy said this. And you know what? Going back and looking at it, he wasn't wrong. So, again, thank you personally. You know, that's, 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 that's always helpful. I mean, I know I can't fix this movie, you know, for you, but you know, I'll, I'll try to talk to Ray Fines when we have coffee next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I'm going to hit on things and I'm going to do this as quick as humanly possible because I know we're on the clock. Um, Ray yep. finds and Taylor Joy's character's relationship really touched me right off the bat, and I loved the, the interplay they had and then the softness they had because there was something that um, a friend of mine who also worked in the food industry, and he works in New York, has said is that there is no difference between a four-star chef and an escort. They're both boys. They both have money thrown at them constantly to create bigger and more beautiful and just perfect things on a drop so to me their relationship spoke to me because of that and it i i i felt that his softness for her was you know because of that um him basically i mean not necessarily letting her go but it was almost in a weird way and i'm sorry to go back to phantom of the opera here it's almost like the, you know go you have a chance i i'm screwed you know this is the end for me you've still got a chance to step out of you know being constantly hounded by people for this and that and the other thing, and having to be perfect at all times. I
1: think it's important so, to remember she also didn't do anything wrong to him. Exactly. She a, she's a, she's the only character in this that's a victim of circumstance. She's in the wrong place
4: at the wrong time. And you literally just took the words out of my mouth because that was the next note. So again, that's been taken care of. Um, the uh the cheeseburger thing to me the re and I I know um uh, Robert had brought this up you know it was like you know I can't see Anna Taylor Joy eating a cheeseburger. To me, and again, I'll go back to the escort thing. Escorts are like basically. Models, you know, have to be constantly, you know, perfect and in shape and not eating anything. So to me, her asking for a cheeseburger was almost kind of, you know what? Fuck it. If I'm going to die, I want a goddamn cheeseburger and fries. You know, I mean, if this is all going to go to hell, at least I'm going to be like, hey, that was good. And and nothing deconstructed. (laughs) Right. There probably
2: Um, is a sense of when she's sitting on the boat eating that cheeseburger, it's just like, it's like, well, considering what I just went through. (laughs) You know what? We also
1: it. like point to the obvious thing because I've known a lot of hookers and prostitutes and you know porno <laughs> porn actresses in my life, and they ate. Oh,
2: really, Mister Rattle Yeah. Yes. We'll next week, folks, we discuss <laughs> <It's> that.
1: Well documented <laughs> on this network, year after year. For those,
2: who, for those of you who
3: may not have heard this particular story, Mark used to work for a well known a well known pornographer
4: when he was out in California B- wow. before he was federally prosecuted and in prison for a year. Um, <laughs> My, my, my last and final thing, and this is my only gripe against the movie, and it's just on a, again, filmmaker being a picky anal bitch that I am, I felt like the movie could have really been helped if it was done in the Japanese horror style and perhaps with a Japanese director and Japanese cast.
1: Can you explain what that is okay. for those of us that don't yeah,
4: get that, that things that are in Japan? Okay. um, the Your daughter Japanese, will disown you. I'm sorry? <laughs> In joke, don't worry about it. You're good. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, no. For for the audience that doesn't understand this, Japanese horror is is very. It can be. They have psychological across every genre subgenre of horror, whether that's slasher, you know, gore fest, whatever. There's a deeper psychological almost monster that's that's from the start of the movie just kind of starting to erupt from this core, and by the end, it's you know, it's either exploded and taken everyone out, or you know, our heroes have been successful in some way but there are very few of the japanese horror movies where everyone walks away even if they walk away alive there's parts of them missing and i'm not talking about like limbs or you know stuff like that there's part of their soul and like their innocence and so much missing now again that's done in american horror movies too you know nobody walks away like you know yay we beat michael myers let's go have a cheeseburger and fries um but i felt that this movie could have um and I'm gonna blank on his name right now, but like the director of uh, Ringu and uh, Juwan, uh the Ring and the Grudge. Um, not trying to be uppity there. Uh, uh, he, I felt he could have brought something to this movie. Like again, I loved it, but like if I had to put a gripe on it, that I that would have made it better. Um, I feel like you know a Japanese or even you know Korean uh, director and crew could have have really blown this out of the water and. I think it would have was solved a lot of the problems that you know the rest of you guys have been talking about you know throughout. So
2: maybe the what's his I can't even think of his name the guy who did Snowpiercer and the Parasite.
4: Yeah, and again I was thinking his Bong name. something
2: Bong C Bong. C. I I I I'm masking his name. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, they could have got the audience through, for not knowing worse. shit.
4: <laughs> but yeah, so that that's 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 the end of my my thoughts on that. Yeah,
2: sorry, Doran, You can fire me later for not knowing that director's name.
4: Hey, Bong I didn't do it. I right? uh, myself. Bong Joon like, Ho.
2: Bong Joon Ho. That's Thank it. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
1: All right, I think that wraps up our craft review. Unless anyone's got any burning desires, Jason, you got anything else?
5: Mm, no, I think I pretty much laid everything out there that I had. D- don't get me wrong; I did not hate this movie. I enjoyed the movie. I just—it's just that one scene that just took me out of it and knocked it down a couple of pegs for me. I thought it was a great movie, but. I'm the type of person i get really immersed into, into the movies. I like being that fully immersed. And when something like that happens, it totally takes me out of it and it ruins the whole experience for me.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to stay with you. Go ahead and do your plugs.
5: All right. You can find me over on the mosaic MC media. Um, Me and Tyler louder uh, top fantasy football. Uh, You can check us out on Instagram, any podcast platform, TikTok uh, and Facebook. Um, we're pretty much getting into where we're winding down for the regular season of uh, fantasy football. We still got our uh, guillotine league with a bunch of great content creators in the fantasy football realm where the winner chooses their charity and we all donate to it in their name. So it's a pretty little fun thing that we did this year. Uh, so yeah, definitely check us out on all formats. It's Mosaic MC.
1: Right. Hey, uh, just so the audience knows, we're going to go another hour. Robert and I still have to do the money. We actually have a new segment that I want to deal with, and then we have the critical review. But um, I I understand that this is the part of the podcast where I keep a lot of people hostage, and they don't really want to be here anymore. So (laughs) uh, we're going to allow people who want to depart into the night, do their thing, and then then Robert and I can uh, dim the lights, light a candle, and get all sexy with the money. So speaking of sexy money, Dorian Price, any last (laughs) – Any uh, any last words, burning desires? If not, go ahead and plug your stuff.
4: Uh, Again, I like the movie. Uh, To anyone who's a horror fan, or even just a psychological uh, horror movie fan, I definitely recommend it. Go see it. Uh, If you if you want to wait till it's on streaming or it's on video, you know that's fine. Um, There's not any horrible, big, gigantic twists that people are going to spoil for you. But go see it. It's every one of the cast brings their A game, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, For plugging. I have a few short films, but there's uh, that we're working on right now for festivals. can't really talk much about those. Uh, but what I will say is for anyone looking for um, uh, for photography or videography, please go to uh, Facebook.com, dorianpricephotographer Dorian Price photographer slash videographer. Uh, you can see all the stuff I've done there. We do wedding photos, uh, baby photos, you know, if it can take a picture or if it has to have a picture taken of it, you know, I do it for videography. I have a full crew, we do events, family stuff, whole shebang. Again, if it has video needed to take care of it, we can do it. Uh, so, again, that's uh, Facebook, on Facebook, uh, Dorian Price, Photography, and Videography.
1: Hey, hey, Dorian, you're obviously welcome back anytime. Appreciate you having you on. Absolutely. You just say when, I'll be here. I know you say when. I, I You tell me. Oh, fair, okay, I'll keep you we'll, we'll in the loop when we <laughs> do
2: more horror films, dude. My people will call your people. We'll do that. That sounds great.
1: That's perfect, uh, baby. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. All right, Alexis, so you staying and going?
2: Mark, you know that I've pretty much sold my soul to you. Do you want me to stay on for this new segment?
1: Uh, of course, I do. All right, so then let's go in. Okay, um, and th- well, let me go ahead and just let me make, make sure that you—you uh, you said you were good with the film. Is there anything else that you that was on your list of things to talk about that you didn't? Or are you good to go?
2: I stand by my request. I want a freaking cookbook with these recipes in it, and I want it to include the cheeseburger and the bullshit lamb chops.
1: Can I tell you how like we've? I, I, one of the things I do with my kids is take them to the bookstore. And lately, they're you know, they they're starting to expand out of the manga section. They started looking at cookbooks. There's a cookbook for everything now.
2: Oh, Apparently I know. That is the,
1: that is the got, easiest thing to create.
2: Uh, to I my- just hey. jumped off. He's got the freaking uh, Hannibal TV show cookbook.
3: I flipped through it. That was given to me for Christmas last year. I have Feeding
1: Hannibal.
2: Okay. And I, I mean, hate like, to it's say weird, it, I've cut
1: there's like a D and D cookbook, like yeah. any stupid, like really stupid niche thing. There's a cookbook to it because apparently all you need to do is have a stack of recipes and assign some stupid name to it. Voila, cookbook.
2: I hate you, to admit it, you, I've cut you give down. give it a name, on-
1: and you tell, and you tell the story. Mm-hmm. This is how you sell these
2: things. So I hate to say it, I've cut down on the amount of cookbooks, but my Pinterest, I have a whole board <laughs> called Recipes and Sweet Tooth Indulgences, and I have got tons of recipes on here inspired from movies and tv shows one of my favorite youtube shows is i don't know if you guys have ever watched it's called binging with babish I
1: mean, i've heard oh, that i have
2: okay he's freaking awesome completely self-trained chef who makes recipes based off of things that are in movies he made the the ratatouille from ratatouille uh he made the uh the su- that sunday from the spongebob squarepants movie he's made Ugh. oh okay um he made the isotope dog, Robert, from The Simpsons,
3: <laughs> with all the rich Southwest flavors.
2: All the rich. he made that. He also made. Oh my God! The, what March Simpson's uh, dessert dogs? Oh yeah, yeah. He made those too. He makes nice. so much, and it's so and he's so much fun to watch. I love his stuff.
3: All right. Well, uh, I get that- to get to smoke the turkey tomorrow, so that's my contribution to culinary discussion. Spatchcock it, smoke it up.
1: I I'm not to touching the turkey. A, I'm
2: roasting carrots.
1: I get to do an alternative commentary track with my son, as is our yearly tradition. We're doing Paul Blark- do you, Mall Cop. Oh will,
2: God
3: help your soul. You know what? That's not actually the dumbest thing, Kevin. That's not that's not the
1: dumbest thing that Kevin James has ever, ever done. Well, I learned from Ben Hearn not to do two-plus-hour dramas with my son. That's a good the, idea. <laughs> where where the, the only thing that's good about it is the last ten minutes where they kill a bunch of horses. So, um, sk- speaking of killing horses, here comes the money.
0: we the money! we the money!
3: All righty. Also, Paul Blart, Marl Cop, not the dumbest thing Boss Rootin has ever been in on screen.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, this thing had a budget of $30 million. It'll probably end up being profitable, we'll all told. It's currently doing seventeen assume. seventeen point five million $17.5 million. Um, as far as the weekend goes, this is Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, well, it opened number two. You know what? Good for it. <clears throat> yeah.
2: I was going to pa- say for a search. This is apparently a search. What is it? Searchlight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Search. One of Searchlight's uh, most successful wide releases.
1: Well, considering the track record of that studio, you know, that's not saying much, but yes, I okay. Yeah, I know it's cards. like,
2: it's like being taller than Tom Cruise. I yes. get it.
1: Uh, Black Panther held on to its number one spot. Go ahead, Robert. You, you know, kick dirt in my eye.
2: Just a little bit.
3: Um, Because I said last week, I expected it to win the weekend again. Fully expected that. Of course, we all did. I said it was going to have a steep drop somewhere in the 60% neighborhood. Mark said it will have a percentage hold of over 50%, which is ridiculous. When I say that's ridiculous, that's not your prediction was ridiculous. Any movie that has a hold that good, that's a ludicrous achievement.
1: My argument at the time was it had no direct competition. Strange World came out as of this recording today, unless you went to like early Tuesday previews. Um, So its direct competition was a Me Too drama about two New York Times reporters that nobody saw more on that in a moment and this. So I I figured Black Panther had good word of mouth. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Families are out looking for shit to do. I figured it it, it, was its second week hold. It would hold above 50%. I understand what you're saying. It's like, that's a tall order, even with the the most successful variables. Okay. I I mean, I hear you. I didn't think it would have as steep a drop as it did, given the easy downhill slope playing field it was on.
3: Well, uh, for the record, it dropped 63%. Uh, Sunday saved that things drop. If you were looking at projections on Saturday, it was projected to drop almost 70%. That was much mm-hmm. more like 67%. Uh,
1: the menu... <laughs> look, it's
3: a, it's an almost three-hour movie mm-hmm. that doesn't have a lot of rewatch value. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but again, I didn't think everyone that was going to see it saw it the first weekend. I figured there'd be holdover. Enough holdover, but you know, it, it it is what it is. The menu debuted at number two. The chosen season three, episode one and two, debuted at number three. Black Adam uh i'll acknowledge this now that is now available for pbod rental it is now out of um theater exclusivity which means i have lost the bet uh it didn't even make 400 million
3: i was about to say like i was gonna ask but how many orders of magnitude (laughs) uh
1: i think i said i've been saying 700 all year um but yeah but when i looked at the picture that i posted in the chat from back in january we actually read on 650. It, okay. it, but it didn't even come that close. It didn't break four hundred million. The, when you think about, I don't know all told what it's going to do worldwide, but at a two hundred million dollar budget, it's currently at the at the end of the theater in theater exclusivity. It hasn't even doubled its its budget yet. Black Adam, and no one's talking about this. Black Adam's kind of a flop.
3: Just a bit. Um, it's get Black Adam is persisting at the moment on a couple of things. One is everyone who saw it had a good time. Like no, nobody came out of that movie and said this sucks necessarily. Mm-hmm. They could say they're a little disappointed, but True. they didn't say it sucks. Again, th- there are criticisms of the movie to be made. We made several of them, but you can't say it's terrible. It's generic, sure. Uh, again, I'm not going to relitigate all that. Yeah, that helps. The. F- <sighs> It's doing well digitally at the moment. Now you can take this for what it's worth because not all of these numbers are public. So we're dealing with a little bit of, you know, second and third hand stuff here. But most metrics that track this kind of stuff show it doing very well digitally at the moment, which is not terribly surprising. This is not really a, it's not a movie that needed to be seen on the big screen. You can get that movie, you can enjoy that movie just as well on your, on your television, on your computer. <coughs> So that whatever it does digitally is going to help it a lot as well. And the fact that it's it's uh, at the moment its digitalness is not free. You're paying for it wherever you get it. It's not free on a streaming service yet. So its its second market effort is going to help it. I'm shocked that thing is not available in China, and I don't know why. Like some of the stuff that doesn't get a Chinese release, I know why, and some of it's not very hard to figure out either. This one, I'm a little bit surprised. There's not a whole lot here unless you deal with the bit where the character dies because China has weird rules about what you can do with the death in the afterlife. So that might be what's doing it. Um, like At this point, Disney's not getting China releases in a lot of respects because they're pissed at Disney.
1: Well, you know, I'm wondering how much of the film industry now has to just adapt to... when, But when greenlighting films <clears throat> and uh, producing budgets they're taking it's the warcraft rule they're taking china into account they may going forward there may be conversations happening right now about maybe we need to take china off the board maybe if you know it's bonus if we get if we get a china release but start green lighting and start budgeting movies thinking china's out of the question at which point reduce your take by about 400 million
3: ish yeah it's a very large um i mean what was it Anthony Mackie said about this? Because he was asked... Qu- I don't know if we're going to talk about this in depth, but Quentin Tarantino got it's caused a little bit of a Twitter storm when, in an interview, he criticized the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: Yeah, he said something to the effect of the actors are not the stars, the yep. characters are the stars. Uh,
3: He's not wrong. One of the things he said, uh, another thing about which he is not wrong... <laughs> But this got people up in arms because the sycophants came out and certain people attached to the MCU in an official capacity who haven't been there long enough to realize they don't care about you decided to come out and kind of take issue with what he said. And meanwhile, a clip started resurfacing of Anthony Mackie when he mentioned, you know, Anthony Mackie is not a movie star. He was, this was some panel or something, and he was asked about it. And he said, you know, I'm not a movie star. The Falcons a movie star. I would disagree with that as well, but I get his point. Yeah, you know, you don't. You it used to be you would go to see the Schwarzenegger, the Stallone, the Van, okay. D- whatever. There, there's a really great. Movies.
1: There's a really great way to look at this. Movies have become sports. From now, most people get granular and they know the athletes on each team. So you go to see the Tampa Bay Rays play baseball. You know who's in the lineup. <clears throat> you know people who are big fans, but most people when they buy tickets to a game. They don't know who the players are. They're going to see the Tampa Bay Rays hit, hit, hit a baseball and run around the bases. Um, and I think that's where we are with movies now, where most yeah, people, you're... where most people, they're, they're going because they want to see the new Marvel thing. They're going because they want to see the new DC thing. They're going, they're going, they're going. Here's the other the thing. Extent,
3: and... To the extent that they're still going, which is itself. Well,
1: that's the other thing. You get people who their thing is to go to the movies. Most people are willing to wait till they get home. Like, I can't tell you how many people watched Thor Love and Thunder once it came on Disney Plus because there was no point in seeing it in the theater. No, you know, there was a once the 45 day window changed and streaming and and streaming apps became the norm. For a lot of people, the calculus was I don't want to spend the money to go to the theater anymore. If I'm
3: paying you as much Uh. as I'm paying you for your crappy streaming service, I'm not (laughs) I may as well get some
1: value out of it. Um, but now when you don't have to wait that long, but, but I don't think the industry has caught up yet. I, I, and I, Probably not. so let's, let's go back because, and this is going to somewhat dovetail into a, a later discussion we're going to have about, she said, a lot of projects got greenlit a few years ago that were part of like the woke me to the message movement. And, and we were doing the movies <laughs> and and well, we were digging out for the longest time. And a lot of that stuff didn't make any money. A lot of it, a lot of it crashed and burned. This, and this, and I know, like people are just like, "Oh, he's gonna be like the drinker." I'm, I'm not even gonna get into all that. It's these are facts. Charlie's Angels bombed. Dark Fate bombed. You know, a lot of the movies of that ilk bombed. But they are already shot. You know, Batwoman was, su- uh, Batgirl was such an odd case because that generally doesn't happen. You don't shoot a movie, it's almost done, and then not release it. Wasn't that Mostly- completely done?
2: Like I, I, think, I think they said they just had a little bit of post-production to right. do. For all intents and purposes, they had shot everything they needed to shoot. Yeah. Right, principal Probably photography just like a few effects a... that were
1: unfinished. Principal photography was wrapped. They were just doing special effects at that point. And my now point... it's basically Roger Corman's Fantastic Four movie. Correct. Um, but my point that my point is that for the longest time you were still we were still releasing these movies because they had to. They had to, you know, we we're gonna do sit on like $200 million, $150 million projects for no good reason. That's just plus throw, you know, plus throwing out the
3: contractual there. language about releasing these things. Like, right, right. So, for a lot so, of reasons.
1: So what so my problem with a lot of like the YouTube culture is you have all of these videos going, oh, my God, it's another woke movie. It's another message movie. Stop. There's lag people. It takes three to four years to get this stuff shot, edited, affected. And
3: and to say nothing of all the films that had serious delays due to the unknown virus of unspecified origin.
1: Right. So in a lot of ways, we're still digging out of all, all that stuff. And, and here, then, you, and then you uh, factor uh, in heck, things like the one, like nobody could figure out. We talked talked about this when we when we talked about Black Adam. No one could figure out from one minute to the next what they were what they were doing at DC. They so, still can't. <laughs> heck, Disney. Uh, I mean,
3: Disney sort of unceremoniously switched CEOs the other day. Like, this is not exclusive to the DC kind of clown fiesta.
2: I was going to say, Zach and I talked about this on the uh, Wonderful Seasons of Mickey Mouse discussion. We ended up talking a lot about uh, the uh, corporate ladder at Disney.
3: And and I think that's going to go very badly for them because Bob Iger is Bob Iger. And there's stuff he's good at and there's stuff he's not.
1: And they're not in a position where they need what he's good at. So all of that to say that, you know, we're relating this to the Black Adam struggle take China out of there, take the a lack of interest for most people to, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there because, because we've touched on a lot of things over the last couple of podcasts in terms of movie going habits. I think the one thing that we haven't said really loudly out loud is going to the movies. Isn't quite the fun time that it used to be. It's not. Um, I bought Wish tickets. I bought, I bought, I'm a AMC Stubbs member. I bought eight tickets for adults and I go for free. So three adults, four children, um, with the fees waived, with all of my bonuses, whatever, still cost me $115. That's walking in the door. You want to buy candy? You want to buy popcorn? Another 20 or $30. I mean, most people, you're talking about a hundred dollar night just to go to the movies. Yep. It used to be 10 bucks Hey, but you know, inflation's not that bad, right, Joe? Stop.
2: So, yeah, for the it, love of God, that, a look, lot of us are going to have to put up with this for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Please don't make it worse right now. I only,
3: look. That's whoever's in the White House who gets that blame. That's not me saying Biden sucks. I think Biden sucks. I thought Trump sucked. I'm not. This is not me saying so, my side. Any side has all the answers.
1: The point being, maybe like something like a smile, which was shot for a song, and got good word of you know, go to mouth buzz, and does a decent killing. But that's decently, also horror for you.
3: Well, again, it's decently profitable, and then it <laughs> is sold for a decent amount to
1: a streaming service. Hey, but but again, you but the opposite of that is Black Adam, where you take away China, you take away you know the the vast majority of moviegoers, and suddenly they thought. I mean, when I said it was going to be a seven hundred million dollar film, and all of you guys balked, but you guys also tend to be on the, on the negative side of things. I think most analysts and most people working at Warner Brothers. Would have been on my side and I'm like, you know, no, no, we are banking on a $700 million plus gate on this thing. They were using an old rubric. That rubric you might as well throw in the trash now because it's you no know, longer viable.
3: In that same vein, because we did touch on Black Panther, mm-hmm. that thing might not make more than Thor, Love,
1: and Thunder when it's all said and done. Well, we're going to get there in a second. Um, so, anyway, uh, Black Adam fell from two to four, tickets to paradise, three to five. She said debuted at number six. Oh like okay it. fine. I, I, I this 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 feels like bullying, but I love you, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do as you ask.
2: And- More on that in a moment. You feel better about yourself, Robert. A
1: little bit. <laughs> uh Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, um, also a bomb. <laughs> Thank
2: God! I don't think anyone needs to see that movie.
3: I feel bad for Javier Bardem because Javier Bardem is awesome and he deserves
1: better. Uh, Smile dropped from five to eight. It's now currently on Paramount Plus. Pray for the Devil, which nobody except me and Kelsey saw, dropped from six to nine. I was there. I saw it. <laughs> the fancies of you know our by the way our TikToks on on uh, exorcisms did really really well for me. Huh. Apparently that was like a big deal. Like people were really into it.
2: Note to yeah, self, uh, people like exorcisms. People like,
1: apparently like religion, politics, and the monarchy, if based on my
2: TikToks. <laughs> the three things you're not supposed to talk about.
1: Yeah, apparently very popular on the TikTok. Who'd have thought a tool of the devil enjoys things you're not supposed to talk about? Uh, the Banshees of Inishirin dropped from 7 to 10. All right, um, at, at, at- I have feeling like
2: we're going to be talking the Banshees of Inishirin when we do our... Um, uh, awards bait show because that one's getting a are lot right, of we awards. I yeah. think it's awesome. our
1: best picture show, Alexis. Not awards bait, best picture survey. Tomato, potato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> I was going to say, Bones and All debuted at uh, number fifteen. Oof.
2: That Oof. Re- Bones and All suffered from a really bad advertising campaign. Yeah, they spent almost nothing on that. You know where you saw ads for that thing, like Twitch and YouTube.
1: Well, that's why I made on... only one hundred and twenty-one thousand. Well, not to well, mention the first good.
2: wave of advertisements didn't even capitalize on the fact this is a story about young cannibals, <laughs> and they're even still very much so diluting that factor. It's like, wh- who are you advertising this movie to, seriously? Where where they yeah. find young cannibals? Well, it's Timothy Chalamet, so yeah, he's pretty damn fine. He's fine uh. like porcelain, and that if you look at him too hard, he'll break.
1: The inspection <laughs> debuted at number twenty-one. Eo. 26 bad acts 29 only in theaters 32 memories only of my fathers is a movie yep yes it is there there Robert Winfrey number 35 and that is the weekend that was all right worldwide nothing move Just yeah. nothing. everything is exactly as it's been all year i seriously never would have
2: predicted the top gun maverick would have been the biggest movie of the year i wouldn't i know mark did i put all my money saying that it was gonna bomb because of how badly it had to keep getting shoved back i thought they were dooming it
3: uh, look, i was I, wrong hey i said in like the couple of weeks leading up to that i said i think this might flop like i was on that train here's there's, the thing and there's mark going look i know men and I know my people... <laughs> I if,
1: know what boys they, like. I know what guys want. Okay,
3: here's my <laughs> here's my here's my other thing about Top Gun Maverick. Like, I never disputed it would win its weekend. Mm-hmm. I forgot that Tom Cruise is one of the only guys in Hollywood who has a little bit of creative pull. Mm-hmm. Because, let's face it, if this were any other property, he his character dies, and everyone goes, Yay, let's all... F- praise lizard brain miles teller
1: here's the other thing i'll tell you though top gun maverick didn't do the 45 day window it did the full i think also true days. also very so true.
3: that's that was only the, isn't that like only now available yes like very recently that they announced available.
1: back then it was only going to be available for PVOD in november yeah so that, that was that was a movie that ran against it. the grain but in the uh under the heading of this is why we can't have nice things jurassic world also made a billion dollars this year God, no I accounting for taste i hate that movie Yep. Um, anyway, everything's still the same. I'm, I'm well, Black, Here, the one thing that changed. Black Panther got up to number eight. It is between Watergate Bridge and Fantastic Beasts. Um, and here are,
3: again, like I'm wondering if that cracks 800000000 Like million. I'm, I'm right. genuinely wondering that about that movie at this point.
1: Here are the movies currently doing better than Morbius. Woo-hoo! My home video. <laughs> Uncharted. Black <laughs> Adam. You, my latest YouTube video is more views than Morbius. Yeah, Elvis, the bad guys, Bullet Train, currently on some sort of streamer, Lightyear, too cool to kill, Netflix. Smile, Nice uh, View, for the uh, Bullet Train's on Netflix. Okay, the- DC League of the Super Pets, Lost City, and nope. These these films aren't even doing as well as Morbius, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Well, most of these didn't need to do as well as Morbius. <clears throat> One Piece, The Black Phone, Ticket to Paradise, where the crawdads sing, Scream, Death on the Nile, Halloween ends. Oof, God, poor House. Uh, everything Everywhere All at Once, Triple R, The Roundup, uh, Downton Abbey, A New Era, The Woman King, you know, the, the movie that brought back the historical... Uh... Revitalized the historical <laughs> ep- action epic,
3: didn't it, Mark? Yeah. Yes, it did. I, it, was, it was so stunning and brave.
1: You know, the thing about this show that you have to understand... Not wrong. <laughs> nope. All right. Uh, so that's the Worldwide... Um this weekend coming up now for now for mark's pet project of the week <laughs> well before we do um okay uh december the weekend of december 2nd we've oh, got all the way down to december
3: 2nd
2: we have one more weekend you know
1: oh that's the 26th you're right sorry um
2: i would say november went by fast but it's not that fast
1: well strange world that's oh, right okay yeah I, strange world uh, and the Fablemans are in wide release now. Strange World, I'm sure, will win its weekend. I'm um, not. <laughs> no, it'll win the weekend, but.
3: I'm. You know what? No, I'm not even convinced of that at this point. Do you know the big issue with
1: this? What's the big issue with Strange World?
3: If File this under play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Your lead teenage romantic subplot for that movie is gay. And we know how a big chunk of parents feel about taking their kids to kid movies with that stuff in it. And
1: so, here's my question: uh, Is the word out on that? Like, do the parents know? Yep.
2: If if yep. it is, I haven't seen. Okay, if I'm just gonna say, if that is a thing, that has not come up once in the animation historians' board uh, that Zach and I were uh, frequent. I know. So that's
3: what I, look that's what i've seen now I've it wouldn't
2: surprise me if they wrote it like that because jabuki young white is queer so
3: look i'm not making a value judgment on this i'm stating a fact that's going to hurt it big time you, so
2: look, you say Black are going to take one more weekend
1: i think it might I Okay. Really so here's the might. thing you just have to look at light year to kind of know what the pattern here is once the average parent. So here's the thing. We, we talked about this with Lightyear fairly at length. I think most parents are just kind of live and let live when it comes to the LGBTQ you know I community. It's kind of like do your thing. You know, nobody nobody wants to hurt you. Nobody wants to take away your rights. We all want to live and let live. We all you know we all want to get through this thing called life. However, there's still this weird like amongst people in any in any part of the spectrum on the right politically that are still like but keep it away from my kids you know even if like it's in your own family they're just like you know cousin bobby is is queer that's fine you know and we let we we don't bother nobody bothers cousin bobby but you know cousin bobby just kind of needs to stay away from the cousins is all that's all no big deal
3: maybe don't make out with your boyfriend at thanksgiving dinner just throwing it out there
1: yeah um you know don't hold hands while you're you know sitting around in the living room and look the people in the lgbti you know community who are on who would be on this podcast talking to us be like well that's you can't do that and that's not fair and that that's you know you shouldn't minimize people you shouldn't be dismissive of people and you're not wrong but that doesn't change the fact that that's currently we are still a center-right country more you know slightly more than 50 percent of the people regardless of where they vote politically still cling to social conservative values
2: we just and... had another shooting in an LGBTQ club in Colorado just a few days ago. Right.
1: So, hey, hey, look,
3: you can tell that you're moving up in the world because the shooter was non-binary. So you guys are got you're getting to the same. I'm not going to make the joke. I'm just not going to make the joke. It's too close to the ev-
2: it's too close to the event for it to be. Seriously, Robert, we have so few viewers. Could you stop scaring <laughs> off the few that we have left?
1: Moving on. My point is, I think there are going to be people we kind of talked about this with Turning Red, where it's like, if I can't bring my kids to a safe Disney movie, I just won't like this isn't that big of a deal. Like, there's so many ways to entertain your kids now. Oh, yeah. You know, putting them put first of all, this goes back to the first thing we said about just not taking just not going to the movies. Like I'm going but I do this show. And I'm taking my whole fucking polycule. (laughs) <laughs> to go to the movies and we're doing this as as like a family, but I kind of feel like I'm in the minority now, whereas most people are Look, like, this is not a thing we do as a family. We'll just watch it at home. If the, And if it's going to be all gay, then we're not going to do it at all. Well, the, I, there's, something I else like, to, there's something else they can watch.
3: I go to the movies to do... The, there's movies that I want to go see. Let me preface what I'm about to say with that. I go to the movies because I do this show and I go at the cheapest possible time that I can because mm-hmm. I'm me. So that's the first showing I can get on a Tuesday when I can get in for five bucks. I don't usually buy concessions, but I have to go out of my way for this. And I'm allowed elements of my life afford me the luxury of being able to do that on a pretty regular basis. Because what I do for a living and the schedule I'm able to keep for a lot of people, if you have to go prime time with more than one person.
1: Like you said, man, that this is a. This is a pretty serious financial commitment here that we're talking yeah. about. And again, if you're one of these people that's just like, I don't mind gay people. I just don't need them around my kids. Well, I'm not taking them to see the gay movie either. And that's what it's going to be like, because I guarantee you someone's like, oh, come on. One element of this has one gay character. That That's quite enough for a lot of people, which I'm well, not. I'm not making the argument that that's good, bad or indifferent. I have a personal opinion about it, but that's I don't feel the need to get into it. Um, my point is that is how people think. Yeah, and it's it's probably unfortunate, but moving on, um, it's not going to hold week to week. It's gonna, it's gonna, it may be the number one movie of the weekend, or maybe it's Black Panther. It'll be between those two, and then um, it definitely won't be The Fablemans, and then we move on to December second. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about Violent Night being the number one movie of the weekend?
3: I'm rooting for it, but I mm-hmm. think it probably fall it it the R rating. I, I gonna...
2: wanted to as well, but I if I had R... to put money on it, I'd say it wouldn't. It's an R-rated movie, man. Like, that's just... Right.
1: It has no other competition, though, and now we're three, four weeks away from Black Panther's debut.
3: Like I said, I'm rooting for it. It has a chance. It's an outside chance, but it has a chance.
1: Right. Um, The ninth, uh, we have Empire of Light, which no one's going to see. Father Stew, which no one's going to see, except if you go with your church group. And then... The Whale
2: is getting a lot of uh, critical Mm -hmm. acclaim. Go
3: see the Whale!
1: And then on December 16th this is a mid this is the middle of the week release is Avatar the Way of the Water. Quick word on that. Apparently that's not tracking well. That is. This is one of those things where oh. where Disney was like we're all in on this. Here's all the chips and they're already starting to, you know, panic that this thing's not going to make any money. Well, we
2: all saw the article that this movie's got to be like the third or fourth biggest <laughs> money maker of all time to even see something yeah. close to a profit. This has got Batman Camp- and
1: Superman problems.
2: They gave Cameron literally the keys to the kingdom,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and he's
3: going to turn in a beautiful demo reel. Here's the problem: is going to cost
1: them a lot of money. As a metaphor, it was like, here's you know, two hundred million dollars. Go make um, Birth of a Nation, okay? But it's but it's the year two thousand. You can't. Thank you. You can't do Birth of a Nation in two thousand. Well, I'm gonna no (laughs) you know that's essentially what happened here i'm not really necessarily comparing avatar to birth of a nation what i'm saying is like the world so significantly changed from when avatar was released that it, it doesn't make any sense to do what they did here when your movie requires a billion dollars to sniff
3: profitability like bear in mind to sniff
2: profitability you need a billion dollars Right. There's also the fact that it's three hours long, which we were talking earlier with the Black Panther, that that was that part hurt. of the problem. It,
3: it definitely, it's not going to do this movie any favors. And I'll tell you Cameron,
2: what. Has, and Cameron, like other filmmakers, has been digging himself into a hole criticizing comic book movies and popular movies in general. So there have been a not... lot of people who've been getting pissy at him because the man doesn't know how to shut up when he's criticizing other. Let me so, put it this way.
1: Let me jump in here. There was a, a, re- a, re- a review we did earlier in the year, and I wish you had been on it for just this reason, because I, I pulled it for TikTok for this reason. Roland Emmerich, good old dumbass toaster oven, Roland Emmerich, was like, Marvel movies stink, and here's why. And this was in a long line of famous directors going, Marvel movies stink. And we and me and Robert kind of no, looked at them, no. like, never mind that they're saying it. Let's look at why they're saying it. And everyone's kind of doing the same thing. No one's listening to me. Here I am, famous director, Roland Emmerich, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, um, what's his nuts that did Kimmy, Steven Soderbergh, all of these directors all putting out movies around the same time, and no one's paying any attention to him because no one gives a flying fuck unless you're a film person.
3: Well, bear in mind, it also doesn't help that Disney has so much market power Mm
1: -hmm. that
3: they use the MCU crap to deliberately – and they lobby – I mean, people don't like to talk about this. Part of the reason Scorsese doesn't like them, this behind-the-scenes stuff, Disney lobbied years ago to get one of Scorsese's movies excluded from China, yeah, and they and promised the Chinese government this movie will die a slow death and no one will see look, it. Look, like, if Vince McMahon can China. do it, with, if
1: Vince McMahon can do it with the fucking NWA, I don't see why Disney can't. Um, I, look, I'm not. I'm just saying if you want
3: to understand why these why these filmmakers view the oppressive, mm-hmm. darn near monopsonistic setup that Disney has going and are speaking out against it this is why because it actively look we can talk about the film the state of film all we want and the negative consequences of the MCU and there are plenty there's, mm-hmm. there's good stuff too this is not, i i enjoy a lot of well, the MCU hang on the, so when, the where i, I was going with this for alexis's
1: benefit was everybody was like we're not getting any attention if and and so it's it's kind of we brought this up with Solo too, where the stupid actor from Atlanta was asked a dumb question about Lando's fucking sexuality, and he was like, uh, "I don't know, he's pansexual, whatever." And suddenly, that became all anyone cared about. That was the, that was the headline. Like nothing else that guy said about Solo about anything mattered. All anyone cared about was 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 Lando was pansexual. This guy said so. Same thing here. Hey, in theory, all of these famous we, directors uh... have all of these have all of these things to say about film. But the one thing that got him attention and everyone learns from each other, like if this guy criticizes Marvel, he gets the negative attention that I want in social media. So because reporters all are like lemmings and will just ask the same questions that the other other guy asked, everyone asks a Marvel question because no one puts a lot of thought into this. And then every director says the same thing. Marvel movies suck there for children. Look at me. I'm trending on Twitter today. You know,
3: well, the other thing that, just to briefly bring up Tarantino again, and and I think his, I think his most accurate criticism, um,
1: that's not to, say that to these guys have no merit in what they're saying, but they're all yeah, kind yeah. of copying each other. Yeah, like you can be both, no, you can that, be both doing true. it purposefully and honest. Yeah, no, that
3: that's still very true. And like, again, like you can't, if you're a director and you give an interview, like if you agree to be interviewed. Mm. You're going to get asked about this. Like right. Again, like the entire clickbait media cycle relies on this kind of crap. So it's feeding itself. But when Tarantino said, you know, I could never do a Marvel movie, they don't let you have a personality. You're just a hired hand. Again, he's not wrong. There's a serious lack of... Hang on. No, no, no. Look, you tell me, Mark. You tell me if I'm wrong about this. You can name three personalities as far as films go in the entire MCU and only three and I'm not even being overly reductive here
1: James Gunn um John Favreau John Favreau and the other one is should I just had it um so out of how many directors
3: and how many you don't movies think the,
1: you don't think the Russos, though had a had an aesthetic no okay I'm not going to argue with you about it they made very big films so <laughs> Can we thought. discuss
2: when we well, at Multiverse I, of Madness? Raimi's aesthetic working into the film. God bless him. He made it. He forced his way into that. Mm-hmm. But look at look at how much effort he had
3: to go through to get there, and and look at how much the movie suffers from the elements of the tonal dissonance between what he wanted to do and what he was required to do. Right. Here, hang on. And here's the here's my thing about the Russos. When I said they don't have an aesthetic, look at the other stuff they've done. There's a degree of personality to it that is utterly absent from their MCU work, and Are that's you fine. Going to
2: admit that the Gray Man has
3: personality. It's shitty personality, but it has personality. We, it has drone shots. It has we, so we, many drone shots.
1: They fly over. They fly over. All right, let's get through the end of this because we still have to talk about what she said. Um. All right, so Avatar. So it'll win its weekend, but it's gonna fucking bomb just based on the numbers that you
3: quoted just, yeah like just based on the expectations you have put upon this and the right. realities that it has to achieve there's no way the yeah.
2: fact is the... that everyone who was in love with avatar when it came out does not care anymore about seeing it The movie came out what 12 years i was ago? gonna say
1: they're also a 100 now Yeah. um so, so the christmas movies are i want to dance with somebody which i'm sure people will see it but i don't think it's going to do big business and then the other one is babylon which is getting mixed reviews and we're going to review it here God, um,
3: I why is that movie 3 hours?
1: Cuz everything is fucking 3 hours now. All right, hey, I want to we I haven't going, done this before. I am
3: going to I want you to understand, Mark. I'm going to in vascular detail destroy Babylon. I want you to understand.
1: This. I fucking hope so. Now, now you've got me all hot and bothered. Speaking of hot and bothered, here's the news.
0: And now I'm up at News Flash.
1: I don't get my people way anymore.
3: Hate, people hate overly feminist movies, there's
1: your news flash. <laughs> I don't get my way anymore and I'm a petulant child. So I got forced to go do the menu instead of what I wanted to talk about which was she said. And, and none of us would have had a none of us would have had a discussion <laughs> with you about it. Like you would have had me
3: here as your pig hostage. And, have, and here's how this would have gone. It sucks. <laughs> And then, because I can't just say it sucks and leave it at that, I would have enumerated the ways the director, the cinematographer, the writer, the actress, the actor, the lead actors, the actresses, mm-hmm. the sound design, the scoring, and the editing all failed miserably.
1: So, in retrospect, this is what I was getting at. And I'm Michael glad we didn't, because, like, because I just no one fucking to have a discussion. Well, I mean, there's there's a chance people are interested in what we have to say about the menu. No one fucking saw C said or knew it. Here's the thing. For such an Oscar baity movie, did anyone see any press about this? Did anyone see any marketing? Not a one. I didn't see any. All right, a handful I, of
2: trailers on YouTube. I don't think I, 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 saw say, any I got somebody nod
1: nodding at me from from across the room here, but I mean, I'm at the movies every week and I didn't see anything.
3: I saw no trailers ahead of movies. I saw nothing on Steam. I saw nothing on YouTube. Right. I, I I got nothing for this.
1: Robert's that's favorite with
3: him just diving it, just you know, being able to dial into me. To a yeah. creepy degree. But. So
1: I wanted to talk about this article really quick, and then we can move on to the critical review. But I think this is this warrants some degree of discussion. Um, she's from Variety. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> He's
2: does been wanting hit? to do that all night. I'm not going to say it. This, this,
3: this, that outlet does not deserve my scorn even. That's how low on the totem pole it is. Terrific. You just
2: flip them off. That is enough scorn.
3: That's all she they said, get. They get gestures. She if, you're said, on the po-
2: if you're on the Ali podcast, you don't even know what I do. I
3: swear to yet.
1: God, you're the only person who says nothing and keeps saying nothing so that I can't get anything accomplished. But it's so fun. <laughs> she said bombs, motherfucker. Why aren't award season movies resonating with audiences? Because last year, the fucking movies were like gay cowboys eating pudding and people are fucking sick of it. Anyway, here's what. They weren't even good. They weren't even good. The article says. Did you just recall a soft park reference? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I do that one all the time. I'm big on the gay cowboys yeah. eating pudding. I, I have never heard You've you never say, gay gay say cowboys cow eating pudding constantly.
2: Pretty frequent. Anytime okay, he references an
3: overly artistic film, he, he it's one of his go tos.
1: <laughs> yep. On a recent episode of the Director's Video Archives podcast, the man who helped usher in the golden age of indie film with Pulp Fiction and Kevin Smith. Declared this to be the worst error oh, in Hollywood off. history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matched only by other such nadirs as the 1950s and the 1980s. I mean, fuck you,
2: pal. No, no, he's not wrong. Okay, seriously. Oh my God,
1: the 80s produced so many, like, fucking stop, classics that we're stop, now stuck stop.
2: with. Mark, why stop. don't you just pull the article up onto the full screen? Because Robert's going to continuously interrupt you fair yeah i can't even keep track of what you're saying anymore because i keep losing place with what you're talking about
3: okay hang on mark look there's a lot of movies that came out of the age that i enjoy deeply enjoy
1: i think what you were what you what you cut me off before i said was the 80s created a lot of ip that's still with us that that's that that has value that you can't run away from
3: uh can uh, Look, so your argument is the 80s. The 80s contribution to ongoing cinema was much like the 80s itself, nothing but purely greed. Yes, that, all that's right. all like, you can't name me a classic, artistically relevant movie from the 80s. I, I like the
1: money you. pit. I like and, the money pit
3: again. That's your response to that. So, pissed off. All you're doing
1: is <laughs> point. All right, moving on. Um, the good thing about being in a bad era of Hollywood cinema that don't conform are the ones that stand out from the pack, and that may be the case. The problem is that this crop of non-conformists may no longer have a commercial reason for existing, at least as theatrical Oh, <laughs> oh okay, okay. Hang on. Author of, this, author
3: of this particular piece. She said is not a non-conformist film in any way, and that's... that. Might, the fact that your entire premise is so deeply flawed might be why you're still writing for crap like... Like, No. Tarantino's point about nonconformity being able to stand out is well taken. If you then try to extrapolate towards, well, she said, which is about as generic a tell-all dramatization as you can possibly find, is somehow nonconformist, you're, this movie just treads the, tr- the path that uh, Spotlight walked, which was well-worn even then. This is not a nonconformist movie. Your entire premise is flawed.
1: Uh, all right. Takes, you said, a sturdily made look at the pair of crusading New York Times journalists what? who those Harvey Weinstein's decades of sexual harassment and assault. The film earned strong reviews and awards buzz, but the Universal Pictures bomb last weekend, opening to dismal 2.2 million from 2022 theaters. This ranks as one of the worst results for a major studio release in history. That's why we're talking about it. Just as, as an aside, I saw it Thursday with my wife. And I, I have to say, like, it's a bit sleepy. It, it's, a, it's very slow. <laughs> And it's – if you're into, like, procedurals in terms of investigative journalism and you are particularly moved by the Me Too movement, I think there's something for you here. Just, re- just rewatch Spotlight. You know, and uh, the other lady in who's in the movie, Zoe something or other. Um, I think they did a fairly decent job of trying to shoulder the movie as best they could. The problem is – and this is – you know, and we're, we're going to get to it momentarily – one, you know, when we were talking about it amongst our podcast friends. The, you know, the consensus among the, among a lot of the guys is, having have we not beat this to death? And this goes to lag. And and I want to make a point of saying this because people act like films are like apples and you just pluck them off the fucking tree. Like no, this shit takes time. So this thing gets budgeted, this thing gets you know budgeted and greenlit and shot, and then edited and then released. Th- that, that could take years. Could take a year it or two. It does so by the time it finally reaches theaters the world in which it was greenlit may have changed significantly by the time it hits the theaters to where your audience is now gone your audience has now moved on from this particular topic you assume when you here's the thing it's not an unheard of thing and it's not an unreasonable point to make that people are still going to care about sexual harassment in two years that they don't speaks to our fucking culture (laughs) oh stop that um, I'm sorry, proof is in the fucking pudding. Like, it's like, no, it's like, no, no, it's no, no, no. They have like this are... fucking collective, like, whoops, my bad. And then it's like, turn the page. It's like, yeah, hey, we'll just go back to normal now. It's fine.
3: You are conflating two very different things. Go ahead. You are unfairly conflating one's desire for entertainment with how one lives one's
1: life. Mm-hmm. But I think the point that because was made. Two were, a, hang, on. The, hang on, the point that was gets shared you're... by a lot of people is that people—they know this exists out there and they don't want to see it in their in their entertainment. They don't want to
3: see us an intert- They don't want to be entertained about it. If you use sexual, if you use sexual harassment as part of your story, people will <laughs> go along for the ride. If your entire story is, "Hey, remember Harvey Weinstein?" No, we don't like to forget the troglodyte. Let him die miserable and alone in prison.
1: I'm going to. So let's give Alexis to who is currently being standing between two angry white men yelling about sexual harassment and get her take on so far what this article is saying and the fact that it bombed and just, you know, what are some of your thoughts, Alexis?
2: I was about to say, I was like, why did I stay on? You two seem to be having, <laughs> I seem to have this well. In I, I don't,
1: honestly, I don't know why you attached yourself to our little date here, but you're here. So please be a part of the I asked if you
2: wanted me to stay. You said you wanted me here. Go on. Sorry, you're the boss. I do what you want. Okay.
1: I would like you to answer my question. That's what I would like.
2: <laughs> All right. Firstly, I'm just going to say I think this movie would have done a lot better if they just released it on Netflix.
3: Fair, would have generated a lot more buzz and a lot more traffic. I would get. I agree. You
2: that. <sighs> Mark, I believe I I can't remember which one of you said it, but when he said some of the effect of people don't want to see movies about things that are still going on, or they're that, that recent.
3: My. Uh... I think the way I phrased this when I said this initially was people are very unlikely at this point to go see movies about newsworthy events that they actually lived through.
2: Okay, I disagree with that. But I do think that people are not interested in paying money for a ticket to go see a movie about something that is still very relevant And we're still dealing with the fallout and the repercussions from it. It'd be like going to see a movie about the January 6th insurrection or the start of COVID. Both of which, you know, are coming in 2024 and 2025, respectively. Of course. There is an audience for a recent history but i don't think that audience is going to pay movie tickets i think this is the kind of thing that would be better on streaming services i okay. think it would have been a lot better if they had done it like that i mean i'm just gonna say this uh, i knew this movie was gonna get a lot of award buzz and i'm sure if i actually sat down and watched it i'm sure i would say it hits all the points of a good movie But it's not one that I really am dying to see. And part of that is that's not really my cup of tea. I don't like movies like this that often. I know they're good, but that's not. It's like, I've got a night off. What movie do we want to see? Oh, let's go watch a movie about the Weinstein drama. It's like the craft that I've been hearing about for the last five years. No, I want to go watch it get blown up.
1: So I want to read this paragraph here. Privately, studio executives point to a number of culprits. They say this year's awards films are too arty. Probably true. Too depressing. Not that was last year. Too yeah. lacking in A-list talent to convince crowds to show up. The, okay, you people, this is to the studio executives, okay? You people have gone out
3: of your way to kill the movie star as an entity, and now you're bitching that you can't get people to go see
1: movies because there are no movie stars. You and they know that the there crowds. have been success stories earlier in the year, notably Elvis, which was aimed at adults and earned an impressive $286 million globally, everything, everywhere. Oh, at once, a multiverse head trip that it was racked up 103 million worldwide while being perceived as artistically bold. But those films didn't have to compete with the glut of other prestige fair, which could be further fracturing an already shrinking audience base, one that may be very wary, wary of hitting up cinemas during COVID. This is all stuff we've said before.
3: Okay, and also, can we stop with the people are wary of COVID thing? Can we just stop with this?
2: I'm actually going to agree with Robert on this one. I know that we're not totally out of the plague yet. I mean, but- look, it's <laughs> endemic. There is no getting rid of it. But the fact is that the people who go to the movies nowadays are not scared of the plague anymore.
1: Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm you know Alexis's point about I the, the end of the article and I, I closed the thing. But basically, the, the article's conclusion was: if you can't get people to go to the movies to pay for this stuff, they're just not gonna put it in theaters anymore. When you look at the best picture nominations from last year, there was Gay Cowboys Eating Pudding and a whole bunch, and a lot of this stuff was on streamers. There was the I deaf forget, movie. There was the there I was the one with the death one te- last last year. I was the, like, was the, dog, the... the power Coda. of the dog, which was Netflix, you have the one death movie, Coda, that was, Apple, that was Apple TV, right?
2: Okay. Yeah, I think one? they said majority of them were actually released on streaming as opposed right. to released straight to theaters. It really and does great go to, and is my continues
3: to grow.
1: Well, I, I, here's the thing you know, going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation from like an hour ago, I think. Studio executives now are, are looking at there's a mountain of evidence. I mean, if our little stupid podcast has been able to track the downfall of the mid-tier movie, the prestige movie, you know, anything that isn't an event film, they have to. I mean, even a blind man has to see that they have to make some changes. Like, you know, the next time a she said it gets greenlit, it's not bad. going into the theaters, it's going to a streamer.
3: Like they can't be that insulated. Their echo chamber can't be that narrow and that loud. There's just no way. Like you have like to deal with reality at some point. Right? Yeah,
2: I'm just gonna say it. She said, "Is not a movie I would pay a ticket for." It looks. It's the kind of movie that if I had an afternoon off and I'm just bumming around the house in my PJs, I might put on it while I'm just relaxing with a cup of tea it's not theater movie and that's the thing is that we have to realize that we have entered a new generation of marketing movies where you have to say is this a movie that would be marketed or that we should market to theaters is this a movie that we should market to streaming
3: here's here's the theater crowd here's how you know if you need if this your movie is probably going to get a wide release those movies are made for 16 year olds in china (laughs) and that might sound overly
2: simplistic and a little bit bleak but that's reality, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with movies that are released direct to streaming. We have gotten some a amazing thing. A-list material released to streaming. Some of the best movies we've gotten in recent years were released straight to streaming.
1: Just thinking about our September, Prey, The Gray Man, Pinocchio.
2: <sighs> Pinocchio's Again. winning stellar reviews so far. I'm looking.
1: Is that Mark? No, no, no. the other one disney's
2: pinocchio oh 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 god that that hey, look they're
3: not all winners they're not all winners when they're released in the theater either and yeah, yeah look look gray man sucked
2: disney's prey, pinocchio
3: sucked disney's pinocchio sucked prey had a metric ton of issues that people were too afraid to acknowledge
1: mm-hmm. um hellraiser anyway all right had ups and downs Let's i would go say ahead. hellraiser
2: had more ups than downs
1: Let's go ahead and do the critical... Whoops, uh, I've forgotten how to podcast. Daddy, remember those days? Remember that? Robert? Daddy! Daddy, I've forgotten how to podcast! I've been listening, I've been listening to some of our old shows where, where, where Ronnie and Jesse would suddenly go... We Decided that my kids were suddenly British.
2: Huh.
1: <laughs> that was...
2: Remember when we used to have fun? Remember?
0: Are you ready? No! I said! Are you ready?
4: No! God! No! God, please, no! 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 No!
1: (coughs) Alright, the critics loved it. The audience was like, yeah, it's fine. 90% versus uh, 78%. That's about right. Well, it's social commentary relies on basic ingredients. The menu serves up black comedy with plenty of flavor. I fucking hate the people who write on this site. I really <laughs> I was going
2: to say that. OK, I thought all that, the
1: food puns. They're all coming.
2: Uh, the tick bird. Prepare for the tick bird reviews, gentlemen. Prepare for all the tick birds. I'll go
3: get my shotgun.
1: <sighs> Rendy Jones of Rendy Reviews. Bolstered by Seth Rice and Will Tracy's engrossingly clever script, Mark Malod's The Menu is an intense game of wit bursting with flavor that thrills, delights, and excites. Okay, that's a bit much. <laughs> like, I liked the movie, but that's a bit much.
2: Again, okay. tick.
1: Yep, here we go. Andy Paviar of Nobody's Reading This But Me. First of all, fuck your website and you. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just so sick of this i really yeah I, 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 I if it wasn't for the fact that you actually have to have like readership and clicks and everything i would like do you remember the south park episode where they were trying to like come up with the weirdest fucking title uh, as a as a uh, an internet address and it was just like you know like you know trans rhinoceroses watching porn or some shit.com clown fart at penis.net yeah exactly like i swear to god that's what i would come up with because just fuck you nobody's reading this but me
2: seriously what does it take for us to get on Rotten Tomatoes of half a these audience hacks
1: yeah uh, apparently we have to you know an actual look, audience an actual yeah um no cow is so
2: much guys <laughs> hey we no all cow, try
1: no cow is sacred <clears throat> when fine dining takes a nosedive how is that a sentence
2: how is that a review <laughs>
1: You, there's a reason nobody's reading
3: this but you you self-masturbatory I, I, I
2: seriously do not get I mean are you trying to sound like Confucius
1: if he had put Confucius a at the beginning of it I would not I wouldn't have read it I yes. I've accepted that <laughs> Jeff Mitchell of Art House Film Wire the men <laughs> that's just words it's <laughs> just words in a row the yep. menu is a smorgasbord of surprises chances are you'll gladly pick up this cinematic check uh, and add a generous tip to boot you could not possibly have
0: stretched
3: that metaphor any further
2: gentlemen if i may borrow a moment from our previous contributor dorian price
3: just gouts of blood
1: (laughs) I wonder if our friend uh, reviewed this, if this was too much movie for him.
2: Okay, there's a negative review. Please tell me. It's like, I, c- I can't take another Tick Bird review. Let's hear some actual criticism.
1: Frank Switek of One Guy's Opinion.
2: Well, it's a d- Contributor, it's-
1: <laughs> contributor a, to One Guy's Opinion. <laughs> a black comedy that skewers the capitalist classified through the prism of pretentious hot cuisine has some succulent ingredients. But in the end, like so many hot cuisine serve, you're not allowed to use hot cuisine in the same fucking clip. it. don't even Fuck. knows
2: what hot cuisine is.
1: Can't use it twice. Yes, you can't use it twice. It leaves you hungry for something more substantial. Fuck you in your asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the okay, notion- okay, I, okay. I'm sorry. Can I, I just... thought
2: reading something like this would actually give us a break <clears throat> for the puns. It got worse. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> worse.
3: Can I also just say that the notion that the class divide is a capitalistic uh, construct is very just successful propaganda by the sh- by all the well the ridiculous communists like class divide exists in every economic system you're never going to get rid of it sorry
2: okay i just saw three more quotes there that have the phrase hot, cu- hot cuisine every single one of them that use that phrase deserves to die the s'mores deaths from the movie <laughs>
3: Do these people all just, like, share a Discord or something where they all come (laughs) up with the one phrase we're going to use? Like, what
2: the hell? Okay, I've worked with fashion and designers and artists, and it kills me whenever they talk about whole couture. It's just like, do you even know what that word means? Just, again, these people make me sick.
1: Anthony Morris of It's Better in the Dark. Is it, Anthony? Is it? Is it better in the dark, you fucking asshole? I imagine this, this the, I
3: imagine that is his area of expertise.
1: So I have people up, uh currently staying with us. They're, they're currently <laughs> to my right. They're they're going to hear me say this to them right now. They don't know I think that they, that I, that we do this. And so they're just wondering, what the fuck is he yelling about? I'm yelling at this shit right here. It's fucking terrible. These are professional reviewers.
2: It's and awful. These are reviewers <laughs> who get more who get more views than we do and it's not fair
1: look i wouldn't mind it if it was just like the rags and the papers and whatnot but i mean like it's better in the dark like you know i better in the dark got triple x because i'm guaranteeing that's a porn site um (laughs) seriously if
2: any guy says to me it's better in the dark he needs to be kicked out of the house
1: i agreed this is a full-bodied swipe at the foodie culture from top to bottom if you're worried you might miss the joke don't worry chances are you know more about food than you think not helpful (laughs) not in any way
3: profoundly unhelpful
2: what profoundly confusing (laughs) Somebody
1: curb stomp that guy. Speaking of people needing your curb stomp, Pat Mullen, not that Pat Mullen, shut up, Alexis, <laughs> of, the, of that shelf. Oh, that shelf. Damn you, Mark? Not,
3: not the other shelf, but that shelf. <laughs>
1: that shelf. That shelf in particular.
3: As opposed to the other shelf.
1: Not, yeah, shelf. not that shelf over there, this shelf over here.
3: Okay. That the shelf menu, over there.
1: The menu has all the right ingredients <laughs> for a cutting black comedy. It is deliciously <laughs> funny. Eat the rich cinema.
3: Okay, how in the world do you arrive at "Eat the Rich" coming out of this? I because genuinely because he's trying to
2: capitalize that. on a hashtag.
3: It just one. It's a stupid hashtag. None of you people actually have the balls to go through with cannibalism. You're soft.
2: Sir, and right. secondly, it's not "Eat the Rich." It's "Eat the Rude." For God's sakes, did Hannibal Lecter teach you nothing?
1: No, these people all took the wrong message. Jonathan W. Hickman of the York New New Times Herald. Hey, a newspaper not my fucking (laughs) blog.asshole.com.
3: You have to make that your personal blog if it's not taken now. You realize this.
1: Right. The modern foodie take on the well-traveled, the most dangerous game narrative manages to skirt the formula while touching on impactful themes.
2: This had nothing to do with the most dangerous game whatsoever. He wasn't killing and eating them at the end. It wasn't a whoever survives to the end kind of a thing.
3: You have, yeah, you have wildly misinterpreted the most dangerous game, which is not actually a complicated story, so good
1: on you. All right, I'm going to read these back-to-back, back because I'm not entirely sure which one I hate more. <laughs> okay.
3: You Adam know what? Usually,
1: o- usually, it, usually it's me that
3: you can see the tumor growing. This time it's you.
1: Yeah. Adam Olinger of Adam Does Movies from YouTube, and James Vernier of the Boston Herald. The first asshole. I've had better <laughs> meals. Have you, Jay? But the menu still provides plenty of great performances, an intriguing premise, and some beautiful food porn. Plus, we critics get to butcher food puns in our reviews. Fuck you, which is always a welcome. Okay, seriously,
2: can I go get the kitchen knife and just cut my throat?
1: I mean, you can, but you'll get us demonetized. (laughs) And then uh, James Rennie of the Boston Herald: Send this menu back to the kitchen, please. Please be dragged from a truck.
2: I I just I mean, want to. It's like I'm sorry, on, I think on, All on, three on, of on. us just want to flip. Every since just like this is our review.
3: I I just would like to say, Mark, sir. For how many years did you ask me not to wish harm and death on people? <laughs> just, for the record, for a I lot of no. years, you said don't wish someone would get hit by a bus. Don't don't encourage people to strike other people with fit. Like you you for years
1: said. To I mean, me, when, oh, when I say drag on, from a truck, I mean I mean metaphorically.
3: Hang on. No, we we both know you mean literally. Once again, I would like you to well I would like to welcome you to where I was when I was ahead of the curve.
1: You're so smart. You're the you're the smartest uh you're the smartest podcaster in the room there, uh, my love.
3: That is absolutely not true and you know it, but sometimes these trends are easy to see
1: coming. Speaking of who you see coming? Ann Brody, of what she said, uh, savagely satirically satirical of wealthy submissive diners who respond to cruelty like frightened bird
2: i can't tell if he's breaking up or if it he's is. just dumbfounded by how stupid that review is no no that that was an internet issue hey jeff ooh jeff's got some balls on him this week
1: mhm jeffrey harris a 401 mania friend of the show for the for the moment (laughs) (laughs) let's see how this
0: goes
1: (laughs) as a cinematic experience the menu is akin to what hawthorne passes off as grand cuisine in a and high level gastronomy it looks impressive but tastes dull i mean i get that i understand his perspective again i disagree with it look Mm -hmm. i i i read
3: jeff's reviews as a general rule because even when i disagree with him i tend to understand his perspective his logic and appreciate his perspective
2: I'm, I'm sorry. Understand. I just saw Kurt Loder up there. How is that man still alive? Oh, we you don't
1: You've been doing this with me for how many years? You just No, now no, no.
2: He does. No, 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 no. She she means like how has someone not killed him yet?
3: <laughs> okay. Pretty much. And the answer is I assume he pays well for protection.
2: How does he have enough money to do that?
3: I
1: don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll do one more of these and then I'm going to take drugs and see if I wake up in the morning. Um let's Well, see. let's hope uh kyle smith of the wall street journal former newspaper top critic the gist being served here is perhaps too spicy for most fuck off if you like your comedy as black as squid ink fuck off however there was a lot to savor on this menu say it with me everybody
2: (laughs) fuck off (laughs) off. god damn you know
3: if you let if you left with one like all you need is the blackest ink. that's it (laughs) you get the one you get one people one and even then I would actually argue this isn't the darkest co- this comedy is not quite as dark as squid ink which is quite dark when you use it in cooking like that's some that's so black it almost has to sign a way you have to sign a waiver to use it it's showing that you are not what's-his-face that pretentious Anish asshole Kapoor. thank you
2: I was gonna say damn it if he says the joke before I do I'm gonna be really pissed
1: <laughs> all right uh next weekend we got strange world uh we'll have Zachary Strobel back you know, who's uh he's joined the cult He's now part of the family. He's uh, caught in the, he has caught in the con- orbit of the black hole. Um, Alexis will be here. Robert will be here. So because uh, nothing we'll animated
2: gets talked about without me.
1: That is part of your contract. Um, and then the week after that is.
2: And I have to talk girly shit. Uh,
1: the next part of it is Violent Night, which uh, will be Alexis, myself, Robert. Um, is and Jason then, on that one? Not at the moment, uh, not unless he puts himself on. Though so he might be mad at me now because I didn't agree with him. <laughs> Um now I mean, Monday it just the, seems
2: like the kind of movie he would want to review. So
1: Monday the 12th, we are instead of Tuesday, I'll be at a concert on Tuesday, uh the 13th. I'll be at Ginger and POD. But uh so we're gonna do DMU Hollywood, Guillermo del Toros, Pinocchio, and that'll be again Alexis, myself, and Robert uh on Monday, December 12th. And then um, right before Christmas, another Wednesday edition of DMU Hollywood. Because I can't commit to doing anything on Tuesday, I might be getting tattoos with my wife. Um, so we're going to do Avatar, The Way to Succeed, and The Way to Suck Eggs um, on December 21st. <laughs> and it'll be myself, Robert, and David Wright. Um, you're not joining us for that one, ex- so are you? So how did, you get, how did so we have long. a review
2: where you quote South Park, The Simpsons, and Ren and Stimpy? Oh, all no, in that one that
1: go. I got from a ministry album. The way, the no, Psalm no, no. 69, The Way to Succeed and The Way to Suck Eggs.
3: Yeah, yeah, that, that reference is way older than Ren and Stimpy. But. Yeah.
2: Okay, sorry. Uh, all I could think was the happy happy Happy, happy joy joy song song. teach you to be
1: happy like he teaches your grandmother to suck eggs eggs. yeah
2: Yeah. sorry that's the that's the first time i ever heard that phrase all
1: right and then we will end the year with babylon and that'll be myself we'll end a lot of things with babylon
2: probably (laughs) robert's life or sanity
1: that will just be me and robert gently stroking each other off that'll be great just the way this show was intended it will be none of
3: those things
1: it'll be all of those things um, speaking might of all be, of the.
3: Might be me requesting a full blown immolation of Margot Robbie, though.
1: <laughs> Leave her alone. Something pushing death on that ball, poor woman. No. All right. As far as what's going on um, this week and next week, uh, we kick things off with Jesse had a review of a Garbage Bell Kid comic, for sure. Alexis and Zachary reviewed the wonderful seasons of Mickey Mouse. We re aired our review of Moana. We re aired our review of Moana tomorrow. Uh, we've got my son and I are going to do a commentary track for Paul Blot, Mark, Malkop, Mark because he saw the trailer for it and thought that was hilarious and thought yeah, this looks this seems fine for Thanksgiving. I'm um, sure he's going to have a blast. On the 25th, good old Black Friday. Uh, speaking of Black Friday, we're going to re-air the Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for The Wizard of Oz, a Thanksgiving tradition. Um, on the 26th, while well, uh, I'm going to be watching Survivor Series with all the people. We're going to re-air one of our turkey shows, Anthrax, Tomp 442. One of my friends had the audacity to say Tomp 442 wasn't a bad uh, album. I threw him out of my house and I kicked him in his ass. Um, and then,
3: hopefully, hopefully in the reverse order. You have to kick him before you throw him out because... <laughs>
1: yeah, that album is awful. Uh, speaking of which... You would rather the... listen to Volbeat than that. I like Volbeat. Um, on the 27th is one of those shows that Jesse and Robert did without me on a Black Friday in years past they reviewed scar symmetry the singularity phase one neo humanity and then we kick things off monday with some new live content it'll be the history of boxing podcast is back we are done with the long term projects we are now just going to do this episodically and we're kicking things off with a, with a part of the boxing sport that is near and dear to my heart punching in the nuts yes <laughs>
3: I I, I love a good shot in the dick. I couldn't remember if it was that or Butterbean for your first episode.
1: (laughs) There's nothing like professional heavyweight championship athletes punching each other in the dick repeatedly. So, uh, what better way to examine the art of... Mark has an annual pass in Dick Kick City.
2: (laughs) Mark's favorite film is Old Man Getting Hit in the Groin by Football.
1: So, what better fights to examine to really look at the art of dick punching then Riddick Bowe versus Andrew Golota one and two, That's and up that'll there. kick off that'll kick off the second uh, version of the history of boxing podcast. Yeah, aforementioned Strange World, and then um, we're re-airing our Alexander Usyk versus Chaz Witherspoon alternative commentary. What a fucking joke that was! And then in the evening time, myself and the two Canadians will be reviewing the Crown season five, assuming I get it watched in time. And uh, that is all for me. Thanks. I'm driving. Alexis Haina, take me home, baby doll.
2: Alright, for the record, I gotta pick a date soon for us to put the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on, because you know we're gonna have to talk about that.
1: Who's we, sister?
2: I meant we is in the network.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's a fucking yeah, no, I'm not to-
2: dragging you, Juan. Uh, yeah. Hey, David, Andrew, Zach, Gunner, come yeah, to my like, aid. Get
1: what are you nerds to do that. I'm too good for fucking Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas specials.
3: Yeah, sure, mister. I'm gonna listen to another Anthrax album.
1: I'm here to talk she said, because I'm hoity
2: all right so sure yes hope, okay so yes i gotta pick a date that we've got open on the schedule and i will con i i will light the nerd signal and they will come
1: <laughs> he certainly will ollie hey speaking of nerds that haven't come yet anyone um what <laughs> anyone answer the call for it's wednesday? just how
2: quickly you said that anyone answer the call what for wednesday no i put that thing out and you shared it on a million pages nothing for wednesday nothing for cuphead i don't know where the freaking adams family fans have disappeared are you actually
1: watching that robert are you watching wednesday no okay so what were you putting in the group chat then about it i
3: tried and i struggled and i stopped because at this point i don't watch stuff i don't want to watch
1: right i I set you i set you free no no You know, you know, I, I will bound you in chains and make you do refin. but other than that, yes, I set you free.
3: No, 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 look, I, you and I both know how this works, but I've just reached a point where I'm not going to suffer through something I don't, if I'm
1: not enjoying it. And, right.
3: Or
2: I, if you're not contractually obligated to do it for the network.
1: Correct. Well, that's, but that's the whole point he's, that he's saying is I don't really do that to people anymore. I. Not to myself, at least.
3: And. and Look, I can understand why people might enjoy it. It might have gotten better after the first episode. I couldn't tell you. I was struggling with Luis Guzman as Gomez. I don't like Fred Armisen at all. So I just kind of wound up bowing out of that one. And, you know, look, to those who do watch and do enjoy, Godspeed, party on, I get it. Just, I didn't. And I'm not going to
1: hate watch it. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't know about Mark and Robert, but Alexis seems nice, and I like you know, and I like the Adams family. If you're watching Wednesday, jump on with Alexis. She's she's a nice gal. She'll have a very nice conversation with you. She won't be like me or Robert and tell you why all your opinions are stupid and make you cry. I haven't made someone cry in a long time, and you not on cry. camera.
2: I, I make cry? somebody cry.
3: <laughs> okay, your son doesn't count. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Finish your plugs.
2: Okay, we will also be reviewing Andor now that the season has wrapped up and I can finally binge that whole thing. Uh, so when I am not, uh, you know, flogging myself for Mark's benefit, you can find my company, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets. Why don't I ever get the- video
1: of this sort of thing? Because you don't pay, or right, we'll talk later about the television <laughs> broadcasting OnlyFans,
2: Robert. You beat me to it. That was exactly what I was
1: going to say.
3: It'll be what. Look, that'll be one of the. That'll be one of the things we sell on the OnlyFans.
1: Okay, so yeah, so we got Jason doing shirtless man stuff. There's whatever nonsense fuckery I'm doing on, on an OnlyFans. Robert's going to be doing dick reviews. And then I'm not we'll doing have that. <laughs> and, and I then will we'll be feeding
2: myself shitless.
1: Yeah, and then, then there will be just Alexis flogging herself in the fucking corner. This is great. And, er, gonna... and, ev- and look, and hey, look Kelsey, I, I and need you on. to make me an OnlyFans for the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. And what We've got content br- ready to go here.
3: What actually brings in the money <laughs> is everyone shares feed
1: of their significant other. <laughs> feed pics <laughs> over their
0: All
1: right, <laughs> <way. laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've already talked to my webmaster. She's, she's good to go. All right. You
3: know, I I can't make that's the last time I can make that joke Because if I do it again, I think you'll actually go through with it.
2: (laughs) Honeysuckle Rose Creations, Etsy and and Amazon. (laughs) Everything is 20% off for Black Friday. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter there. (laughs) I had to get it out before you two interrupted me again.
1: Okay, you good now? Go ahead, Robert. Oh,
3: okay. Uh, You're lagging pretty hard at the moment, Mark, just for the record.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep, go. Do your thing.
3: All right. Speaking of things that I do that have sucked the joy out of my life, I cover professional (laughs) wrestling a few nights a week. Uh, over at 411mania.com aw's dark elevation on monday mlw on thursday wwe smackdown on friday the mlw one for thursday is set and ready to go the wwe event this week is their pre-recorded tribute to the troops i believe so i will be covering that when it airs um that that'll be a show i guess and there is no ufc event this week but last week i covered the event that lost its main event during the broadcast because uh, poor Derek Lewis had some kind of uh, stomach illness then he couldn't fight. So your main event became like instantly the worst main event in UFC history when Iwan Kutalaba fought Kennedy and Zechiku. So God bless yeah. you. He's Nigerian, you racist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want that on my tombstone. He's Nigerian, you racist. That's
2: one hell Did I one tell you Kelsey asked.
1: refers to me now as colonizer? I'm going to get that tattooed across my pecs.
2: Oh, for God's sake,
1: Mark. <laughs> what? <You know> what?
3: <laughs> Do it.
2: I'm texting Dorian. You got out right at the <laughs> perfect moment. You saved yourself.
3: <clears throat> um, But you can find me doing all of that. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, which apparently had some audio issues the last few weeks that I only found out about recently. Um, for some reason, my recording setup for that started defaulting to my webcam microphone slash speaker instead of the one here on my headset. And that one is just powerful enough and broad enough to pick up all the ambient sounds going on around me, including the aquarium at the back of the room. So aquarium?
2: it's.
1: the dawning of the age of aquarium the age of aquarium
3: so you've just had this lovely ambient aquarium water sound in the back of the last several episodes (laughs) because i didn't know that that default had changed and it was also a royal pain to change back so that'll be hopefully fixed going forward uh, so you can, if you're interested in the Wide Wacky Wonderful World of Mixed Martial Arts, the 411 Ground Pound MMA podcast is what I host. I record that Sunday evenings. So be on the lookout for that. Again, there's no UFC event this Saturday, but this coming uh, podcast episode, we will preview Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy! What? If he didn't walk out to that song, I would have to throat punch you, just for the record. <laughs> He'll be taking on Kevin Holland. So I'll preview that whole card. It's in Orlando, so they actually had to put effort into the event. <laughs> so that's what you've got for me. I will be back here when we review uh whatever we're reviewing next. Strange week. World.
1: Strange World. All right, folks. Thank you for you know what I like about this show and the shows recently? Tuesdays has become like a, you know, like a date like night show. Jazz, tour. man. <laughs> well, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesdays has become like a date night for Melissa. And sometimes she comes, you know, she will come home at 1130 because it's a school night and I put her on a curfew. But, um, but you know, the, there's no, there's no school this week. So she can be out like whatever. So I did the show and I'm like, huh, I don't have to rush to the end of this. Now we can just fucking talk. We could do, we can do another, we can do another 30 minutes. You just talk about whatever.
2: You kept us here long enough. When we <laughs> had to discuss Black Panther. <laughs>
1: There was a lot to unpack with that. All right, speaking of unpacking, be well, be safe, and behave.